No. Now, the Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM. It's Friday, you bastard. Right. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Rambo 4 and 5. <laughs> How are you? John Rambo still alive. I wanna make movies four and five. My life ain't going great. Planet Hollywood's broke. Unfortunately, I speak like I had a stroke. First blood came in '82. That's when I heard my penis and it never ever grew. Rambo two was in '85 late. Uh, Rambo three was in '88. Shooting and doing and shooting. My God, I did not make this movie with my son. Uh, his name is Sage. He was in. Rocky Five and Daylight, the tunnel movie. A little bit of cash is what I need. I gotta get a loan from Apollo Creed. I gotta have another hit movie. Or a Broadway show like Benahi. I guess nobody ever saw Copland. It was stupid, I guess I understand. My whole life is about to cave in. All I got left is Jennifer Flavin. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. I need to make Rambo 4 and 5. <laughs> Check it out, so call me up. I really need a script. I can do dialogue or keep it zipped. I like comedy, action, adventure, and drama. The only thing I will not do is have sex with a llama. So give me a break, for goodness sake. I used to be on Oprah, now I can't get on Ricky Lake. Right now I got a one-man show in Poughkeepsie. Basically, I'm an unemployed gypsy. A little bit of cash is what I need. I gotta get a loan from Apollo Creed. I gotta have another hit movie. Or a Broadway show like Benahid. I guess nobody ever saw Copland. <laughs> it was stupid, so I understand. My whole life's about to cave in. All I got left is Jennifer Flavin. And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I need to make Rambo 4 and 5. Uh, how are you? Absolutely. 902 at 560 WQM. You know why I played that today? I give up. Because if you look at the um, poll from yesterday, 705 votes, by the way, Bill Conti and Gonna Fly, the Rocky theme, and Lou Bega and Mambo Number no. 5 are like back-to-back, -back, or as they say here, side by each. How do you like that? So I figure that like puts uh, the two of them together in one bit. See what I'm saying? See the logic? I get it. And I just want to say this. I'm, I mean, somebody might as well talk about the fact that uh, the Red Wings won the Stanley Cup because certainly on our morning sports show, uh, they don't talk about that. Geldy's not allowed to speak more than five words per day. That's the quota about hockey. Red Wings, nice going there, boys. In five games, they beat Carolina. No contest. Oh! And uh, another boring game last night. 3-1 to was the final. It wasn't even really that close. And what can you say other than they're, uh, di uh, they're dynamite? And, of course, Scotty Bowman, the greatest coach of all time. I don't care what he says. He wants to be modest. Say that Toe Blake was better. Punch him. Lock was better. Uh, greatest coach of all time, Scotty Bowman. Ninth Stanley Cup win. He hangs it up. Retires immediately after the game, which is no surprise. But it was, uh, yeah. And, see, the one great thing about hockey is that at the end of playoff series, the players line up, no matter how brutal they've been, they've been beating the crap out of each other and knocking each other's teeth out. They're bleeding. They're like, uh, their limbs are hanging. And they line up and they like uh, shake each other's hand. They're like a little hugging. No patting on the ass, by the way. Rectum. You don't see that. That's uh, for pussy sports, not for hockey. And I want to tell you right now my definition of a real man, okay? If you look up the uh, term a real man in the dictionary, Steve Iserman is a real man. Stevie. <laughs> 
Here's a guy. Here's a guy that played the entire playoffs injured. After a lot of the games, couldn't even walk because his knee is so bad. He's going to have to have reconstructive surgery on the knee starting like almost any day now, and is going to be out for six months, which means he'll miss a good part of next season. But in spite of that, there's the Red Wing captain, led him to another Stanley Cup, and it was nice to give Nicholas Lidstrom the uh, Consmite Trophy for being the most valuable player in the playoffs. Pretty damn good, even though it was a very boring series, and Carolina plays that comatose style, and I give him credit. I mean, here's Paul Maurice, who's got two first names. Their young coach, who's a lot younger than many of the Red Wing players, by the way. I think there were eight players, maybe not eight, several players on the Red Wings older than Paul Maurice. He's 35. He's the coach of Carolina. Almost got fired early in the season. Was right on the verge. And Carolina had a home-and-home -home season. Hey, Robert, is Robert there? Yes, he is. Guess which team it was they had the home-and-home -home series with at uh, St. Paul Maurice's job. Gee, could it be the Panthers? Give a good guess. <laughs> and they kicked the crap out of the Panthers, and then wound up, I think, winning 9 out of 10, something like that. Saved his job and leads him right there to the Stanley Cup Finals. Nice going, Paul. Good coach. Doesn't everybody pretty... kick the crap out of the Panthers? I beg your pardon? Doesn't everyone kick the crap out of the Panthers? Recently? Are you just going to start picking on the Panthers? I remember when we used to have a hockey team in South Florida. We did? Once upon a time. Well, it's a long time ago. And then they like kind of dismantled it. But we ought to be used to that. It happens to every team down there. Anyway, so yesterday, before I get to the pool, though, I want to, we got some great news. Because we're trying, even though we have this oppressive, repressive right-wing regime led by John Ascroft, and the word police you'd think would be back, but the media understand what the public wants. The public wants all seven of George Carlin words eventually. Now, we didn't get any of those on there today, but CNN must have said the word ass 600 times today. Oh! That's right, because we got this great story. Singer says ABC's Jennings gave him the boot. This is the most important story of the day. Forget for one second about the bishops in Dallas. We'll get to that. We'll get to all the other good stuff. We'll get to today's pool, and I'll also give you the results from yesterday. Oh, here's the uh, here's the survivors from yesterday's one-hit wonder. Did we? Oh, uh, we did break the tie. Look at that. <laughs> we broke the tie. Woo! Did you notice? Yeah, thank God. Vicky Sue Robinson edged out the Buggles for number five. Here's the results. Dexie's Midnight Runners, Come on Eileen, had 57 to win. Ugh. How's that possible? I know it was big. Big on VH1's list, too, but you got to be schmitting me, man. <laughs> anyway, yeah, that was enough. Uh, Wild Cherry, play that funky music, 51. Thomas Dolby, She Blinded Me with Science, 44. That was number three. Number four, Rock and Roll Hoochie Coo, Rick Derringer, 37. And Vicky Sue Robinson, that thing was tied neck and neck, nose to nose, side by each for the longest goddamn time, but edged out uh, the buggles and video killed the radio star. Vicky Sue Robinson turned the beat around, had 28 for number five. We're saving the top five from each day that we do this, and then we'll have like a, uh, a spinoff, a runoff, whatever. The good news is that Bobby McFerrin, Don't Worry, Be Happy, was right on the heels of those two, but they wound up number seven or whatever. Oh, if that, if that would have made the top five, I think that would have been the end for me, you know? That would have been about as, a boot as far as I could go with this. But it didn't quite make it, thank goodness. Very annoying. That'd be a good pull to take someday, the most annoying song of all time. Oh, and that would be a contender. Here's a fax from Ivan before I get back to my uh, ass story. Ivan says, Chipotle is not a type of chili per se. Now, this goes uh, back to the Armadillo Cafe spot I was doing yesterday, doesn't it? I was reading, so, I is guess, on a Wednesday. or Chipotle? Chipotle. All right. Are you starting again? Not me. You better not mess with me because... I am the god of hellfire! Okay. All right. That's what Mo told me. 
Chipotle is not a type of chili, per se. It's nothing more than a jalapeno that's been roasted on coals to give it a smoky flavor. Once blackened, the black peel is removed and the pepper is put on a blender to make sauces. Kind of like it sounds like a circumcised farcer. The black peel is removed and the peppers put on the pepper that is put on a blender to make sauces. Understand that 20% of the jalapeno crops in Mexico are converted into chipotle. Hope this helps. It does, Ivan. Thank you. Because we had no clue what chipotle was, which is evidently in some of the, uh, in one or more of the menu items at the Armadillo Cafe, where they use a lot of really nifty and different ingredients to put together great stuff. Okay, so our list, well, we'll get to our list for today, eventually. And the good news is, for those people who get think that it's ponderous, going through all of it, and you're right. So George and I spent a few minutes this morning, and we put together today's list ahead of time, including some stuff from 91, some stuff from 60, uh, what was that year, 62, I think? Okay. And, and some stuff that the audience had sent in, and also some stuff from uh, the Book of Brian stuff that he sent me. So there's all kinds of good stuff on there, another good list today. But, you know, Peter Jennings is an asshole. Have I told you that before, I think, on your show? I uh-huh. it, yes. And during the uh, 9-11, and unfortunately, I made a bad mistake on that day because I had to figure out which uh, audio we'd carry on a year to give the information out immediately to the public. And the early part of it, we uh, went to ABC, Channel 10. I have no idea why I did that. And then after a little while, I immediately went over to MSNBC because ABC really stunk the joint out that day, and especially Peter Jennings. They took every rumor, every piece, like that plane that supposedly had been hijacked and was uh, crashed in Seattle, which never happened. Nobody else ever put that on the air. I mean, that's just one example of the grotesque misinformation that ABC did on that day. It was a horrible job. And why any person in his right mind would watch Peter Jennings with his heavily affected British accent, even though he's Canadian. See, no, nobody does the news up here uh, sounds like that. They all sound like me, like you. I mean, they just sound like, uh, you know, people speaking English. In fact, I'll give you another example. Is even on the BBC, you've seen the BBC and Sky News in England, nobody speaks with like a heavy British accent. No, just proper. Properly. No, no they don't speak like that either. They don't sound proper. They say they speak just like I do. How do you like that? Like so why anybody would watch an asshole like Peter Jennings in ABC News, I, I don't know. I guess just because it's there. And also, of course, it all depends on what local news you're watching ahead of it. And Channel 10 local news has got, because people like stories about eating ass. In fact, you know something? Maybe that's where that whole ass thing came from. Maybe Peter Jennings figures that uh, Dwight Lauderdale talks about eating ass so much that on the ABC evening news they don't want to dignify the word ass. So we'll get to that story in a second because it's the big story of the day. Oh! Ass. Ass on CNN. I'll say it again. If you if you missed CNN news this morning, which I hope you did, they must have said the word ass 64,248 times, but who's counting? And they were like, short. what's that broad's name? Which one? The silly one that's on there from 6 to 7 before Paula Zahn comes on. Don't know. I mean, she's very good looking, but she's uh, a silly goose. And she's always chortling and puking and uh, whatever. But she was uh, squeezing herself when she said that. I think she's got something down there that doesn't quite meet the eye. You know what I mean? What do you mean? Well, use your own ima- use your vivid imagination. You've seen those movies. Oh. Chicks with... No, I haven't seen those movies, actually. Really? No, never. Oh, come on. I'm serious. Oh, that's right. George likes Seymour Butts. Okay. 12 minutes after 9 at 560 WQM. If you're thinking of painting your home or business, don't paint. Protect your investment with liquid ceramic. Liquid Ceramic, the technology born in NASA's space program, here's the good news for you. Now it's available right here in South Florida. Liquid Ceramic is the most advanced exterior, interior, and roof coating available. You, too, can have the same high-tech ceramic technology that shields the space shuttle, protecting your home or building. And you'll never, never, ever 
have to paint again. That's absolutely correct. You'll never have to paint again because liquid ceramics guaranteed for as long as you own your home or your building. So forget about repainting every few years. Liquid ceramic won't fade. It won't peel. It's guaranteed. This state-of-the-art coating yields you an R24 insulation equivalency, which, to make a long story short, helps bring down your electric bills, too. Liquid Ceramics available in over 1,800 different colors, so check out Liquid Ceramic today. Call 305-347-5122. Liquid Ceramics has been manufactured and sold for over 40 years, and it's available in South Florida right now. Call 305-347-5122 or visit them on their website at liquidceramic.tv. 305-347-5122, and be sure and tell them that... Sports Radio 560 QAM. Hi, this is Larry King, and they don't come any better than Neil Rogers. Get Dad the Father's Day gift he needs at J-Mart. On sale this week. The Naralco Back Shaver. Hep Abysmal. Cree Ask Me Gone. Hemorrhoidal Suppositories. Geritol with Vitamin C and Viagra. A lifelike inflatable hooker. And a do-it-yourself home prostate removal kit. Get Dad the gift he needs at J-Mart. ABC's Peter Jennings gave the boot to country singer Toby Keith after deciding the lyrics of his hit song, Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, were too controversial for the network's 4th of July special celebrating America. And a lot of people are not only pissed off about the censorship, but the fact that Peter Jennings is Canadian, eh? And they don't like the fact that some Canuck is, uh, you know, like dictating America what uh, they ought to be saying on the air. Hey, Peter, you're an asshole, baby. Anyway, that's the version from the roughneck Oklahoma native. ABC, on the other hand, has said logistics and a number of other factors prevented the network from booking Keith for its three-hour-long special being hosted by Jennings, who is, as I said only moments ago, Canadian, eh? How will this tune play out? The controversy centers on the lyrics at the end of the song, a tough-edged tune that captures much of the patriotism and anger that swept the country in the wake of the 9-11 attacks. You'll be sorry you messed with the U.S. of A. because we'll put a boot in your ass. It's the American way, the song says. Keith Forty wrote the song initially titled Angry American soon after the attacks as a tribute to his father, an Army veteran who lost his right eye in a combat training mission. His dad, H.K. Covell, had died about five months before 9-11 and taught his boy to be a flag-waving patriot, a good old boy. I was real angry when I saw that second plane hit the tower and wondered what my dad would have thought about it, and the lyrics just fell out of me, he told CNN's Talk Back Live. It just, they fell out of him. Keith never planned to record the song, but when he sang it at the Pentagon, the U.S. Naval Academy, and for troops serving in Bosnia, he knew it was his duty as a singer and songwriter to release it. The response was so tremendous, I said, hey, we're allowed to be angry. I know how angry I was when I saw those towers come down, so this is my way of serving my country, Keith said in an interview on CNN's Wolf Blitzkrieg reports. Keith said he's got no plans to discuss publicly the row with Jennings, but he was outraged after the network released its statement, which said the country singer had never been booked for the show. The statement didn't mention anything about Jennings' alleged objections. They're saying this isn't about lyric content, and it is. Now, respect my right as an American to say what I want to say, and Jennings can say what he wants, Keith told CNN. I should play the audio from the CNN piece now, you know what? Just so you can see how many times they said ass. Okay. Yes, country music star Toby Keith is flying high with a new hit song. It's called Courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue. But ABC's Peter Jennings apparently finds the lyrics too controversial. His network gave Keith the boot from a July 4th special. Keith talked all about it to our own Wolf Blitzer and even played a little bit of the song in question. Battled his cage And you'd be sorry that you messed with The U.S. of A Cause we'll put a boot in your ass It's the American way 
Hey, Uncle Sam, put your name. <laughs> Every time he says that, I start laughing. Yeah, we know. Anyway, that's the lyric Jennings reportedly objects to. Now, we did talk to ABC, but the network is actually trying to downplay this controversy. Here is what they're telling us. This is a statement we got from them. Quote, while we have cast a wide net searching for performers and considered adding Toby Keith to the lineup, unfortunately, a number of factors, including logistical ones, prevented us from booking him. Oh, but Keith says... They ain't exactly the way it happened. All I heard was that it came down from Mr. Jennings that uh, um, lyrical content wasn't what would not be performed on because of lyric content. This song would not be performed on that show. Keith says he wrote the song soon after the September 11th attacks as a tribute to his late father, too, who is an Army veteran. And we've been soliciting emails all morning long, Jack, and most people. Don't seem offended by the word ass, and they think that ABC should invite Toby Keith to perform. How do you like that, huh? They're not offended by the word ass. And they only said it 622 times just in that one little clip there from CNN. And you notice how she was chuckling and chortling and squeezing yeah. her leg? She was loving it. So, Peter Jennings, you're an asshole. And, uh, you know, this uh, another prissy piece of crap is what he is. In fact, I would call ABC like the George Will Network is what I would call it. Probably Robert watches it a lot. The George Will Network. Hey, I don't know, because he's a right-wing asshole. Although he does like baseball. Now, anyway, I guess that's, a, that's supposed to make him more acceptable, the fact that he likes baseball. At least he doesn't talk about basketball all the time like our morning show. You know, the Stanley Cup is over. The uh, playoffs are over. Red Wings win the Stanley Cup third time in six years. Scotty Bowman retires. Nicholas Lidstrom wins the uh, Consmite Trophy Most Valuable Player. Stevie Eisenman is, like I said, a real man. But you won't hear about that on our morning show. And don't mess with content on our morning show. You want to know why, George? Why? You know what he told me. I am the god of hellfire! That's right. And the wrath of uh, Arthur Brown. Oh, that's on the pool today. Now, George and I, like I said, put today's pool together. So we don't have to, uh, you know, go through that ponderous long thing, which I'm sure a lot of people get very upset about, uh -huh. although we don't really care. Uh, yesterday's survey, and I gave you the top five. The Buggles had 27, just missed out the top five, so they don't survive. Bobby McFerrin, don't worry, be oh, happy. Uh, it, it, it's I all know, over. It's all over. They can, hey, they they can keep voting on there until next circus, okay? When I make my copy, that means it's over. Robert took my vote away from me, or they would have won. He what voted do you mean before, by that? He voted before I could, just because he's an asshole. What do you vote for? Faith No More. Which is fine, but they didn't have a chance. Who? Faith No More and Epic. Oh! It's a good song. It's okay. They're a good group, but... It's better than uh, Dixie's Midnight Runners. Everything is. Oh, I'm, I'm really upset about it. I'm not upset. I don't care. Whatever you like, you like. If that, that's the idea of taking a poll. If it was just up to me, I'd just say, hey, here's the best uh, one-hit wonder of all time. Anyway, Terry Jack, Seasons in the Sun at 24, which is uh, extremely annoying. The Small Faces, Ichiku Park, Debbie Boone, and You Light Up My Life were tied with 22. <laughs> Thank God she only got 22. She could have been dangerous. The Knickerbockers and Lies, Delight, Groove is in a Hard Brewer, and Shipley won, took over the line. Easy Beats Friday in my mind all had 19. Shinehead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You, and Faith No More, Epic, uh, uh, and Biz Markie, Just a Friend, all had 18. Contours, Do You Love Me, and the Baja Men, Who Let the Dogs Out, 17. Lou Bega, Mambo Number 5. Boy, you talk about something that was played, not just overplayed, but played, I mean, to death. God, I mean, it was okay. It was a good novelty thing, but man. And then, like I said, the Rocky theme, Bill Conti, going to fly now, 14. Tied with, and the, uh, the best news of it is we can complain about the Come On Eileen, but the good news is with this crowd, Los Del Rio and the Macarena had only 11, tied with the uh, Double Shot of My Baby's Love with Swing of Medallions and M in pop music. Oh, thank God that Macarena didn't do well, you know? 
Thank God. How could anybody uh, listen to that? And then it was down here. People and I love you had only nine. Mosadades at his two had only. Curtis Lee and Pretty Little Angel Eyes had only eight. Only eight votes for Curtis Lee. And we had three songs yesterday that had none. That had the big oh! none. Which is uh, scandalous if you ask me. Troy Shondell and this time Silver and Wham Bang Shangalang. And I even played a little bit of that, I guess, which convinced them not to vote for it. And David Dundas and Jeans On. <laughs> is that how you pronounce his name? Sure, why not? In fact, let's call up CNN. Maybe they'll start talking about him. Done dash. They'll just say ass a lot, you know? That's a new thing at CNN. Now, if they're saying ass this morning, can asshole be far away? No. Probably not. Probably Monday they're going to start saying asshole on CNN, referring to Peter Jennings, of course. And they'd be right. See, even Robert don't watch Peter Jennings. That Canadian? Yeah, that Canadian. Hey, don't be knocking Canadians, eh? There's a lot of good Canadians. He just doesn't happen to be one of them. Now, what the hell is this? What what is this crap? Oh, oh, buddy, buddy, hi, buddy. Hope you're <laughs> PD Lenny. Hey, you're not my buddy, okay? PD, go away. Go hang out with Defoe. Get away from me, please. Annoying, a very, very annoying guy. I hope this copy is better than the piece of crap he had in there last last time for delights. Boy, that was the worst piece of dreck. Even Todd Dreck never matched that piece of copy. Hey, you bozos down there in our sales department, you know, some new copy would be nice instead of the stuff that I've been uh, doing for months and months and months on end. You know, you try to do them a favor and you do all their spots for them, no matter how marginal the account may be, and then this, uh, then they don't want to give you any copy. That's the that's the part that frosts my fat old ass, you know what? Even if it's one of their very marginal, uh, you know what I'm talking about, I'm sure. What are you talking anyway, about? so we had a bunch of faxes, which we, uh, and I did a lot of homework on this yesterday, in spite of that asshole that said this is the lazy way out, taking these polls. What, what is that supposed to mean? What's lazy about it? It's a lot of goddamn work, not that I'm complaining. And by the way, I think I have a little bit better of a gig than Jim Mandich, but, you know, nobody, uh, there was a long pause this morning when Mo was pointing out that the Mad Dog's off again today, and that Joe Rose is doing a show from Hooters, one to three. And he said, boy, that's Jim Mandich. Has anybody got a better gig than that? And then you heard a long pause coming from the control room where Robert and the Beast were both holding their collective breath because, God forbid, anybody Ew, should God. mention my name on that show. So I think even the Mad Dog would agree I have a little bit better gig than he's got. Is there any doubt about that? No. No. <laughs> Don't mess with the, uh, with the mole man because... I am the god of hellfire! He'll burn your ass. Just like Miguel's getting... Uh, oh, and by the way, be sure and watch uh, Passions today. Miguel's still lying there in the rain, stark naked, being held down. And I noticed she had her knee in his nuts yesterday, uh, Zombie oh, Charity. She's getting, ready, she's getting ready to ravish him. She had her knee in his nuts. Now, is, that usually means something uh, pretty interesting is about to happen. But anyway. And, of course, uh, Timmy still... Timmy found the, uh, the magic, whatever he's looking for there. And all the munchkins are inside that hotel. Boy, that's a uh, bizarre show. If you're under a lot of stress, you've got a lot of pressure in your life, be sure and watch Passions on NBC because it'll make you forget about everything else. Let's see. Dave Loggins, please come to Boston. That's a good one. Thank you. Got that on a fax. Also, uh, in a big country by big country. And it says, and the singer is dead. We put that on today, right? Yes, we did. Okay. Thank you. Uh, I just want to acknowledge these faxes because uh, we got a lot of them. Tom says, uh, no, forget about it, Tom. Because Alan, see, why do they keep saying Alan Parsons Project and Games People Play? Why do they stupid. keep saying that? They don't know. When they had the Eye in the Sky, which was, uh, that could be uh, the greatest song of all time. But I'm not, I'm not going to lobby for that because we've already done that poll. Hey, if you're uh, new to the area, we got a place that you just won't believe. Little Old Caboose in Deerfield Beach. 
Oh, if you haven't had the boxcar burgers there yet, you haven't. You just haven't had this experience. We can all relate to that experience. And John's still at it, dripping gallons of sweat onto the grill as it creates the magic that we call real hamburgers. Remember the awesome taste of White Castle up north years ago? Well, a little old caboose has got something similar but unique. That's right, with great grilled onions, pickles, ketchup, mustard. They serve them on those gorgeous steaming little buns. And little old caboose also serves the Coney Island thick-cut french fries you love. Some bright hot dogs with all kinds of goodies on them and great chicken fingers, wings, and chicken sandwiches as too. If you came to Florida to fish, dive into a tasty fried fish sandwich, add rings and a soda, and you're out less than it costs to feed a family of 20 in a third world country. Little old caboose, eat in, drive through, or dine under the stars on the patio. Dine under the stars. Bring your own silverware and, of course, your own uh, napkins, too. Lunch and dinner seven days a week. Little old caboose open uh, on the weekday, Friday, what is it? Seven days a week, Friday and Saturday, late till 10. Little old caboose is on Powerline Road, just south of Hillsborough Boulevard in prestigious Deerfield Beach. I don't care what Mommy says about the meat. Sports Radio 560 QAM. It's Friday, you bastard. The following commercial was childishly edited from its original form into our own perverted version. Any reassembly of an actual commercial by this program is purely adolescent and in no way affiliated with the advertiser. But it does make us laugh. What's the softest bath tissue for your little ones? Not this stuff. Whoa, Mom! That bathroom tissue tore a hole in my ass! Now there's something new. New softer Charmin Ultra. Discover how much softer it is. Whoa! This feels like I'm wiping myself on the cat! New Charmin Ultra. <laughs> Charmin. 931 at 560 WQM. Here's a fax from yesterday. i got to catch up on all these just to let you know that. I did read them all, and I looked them all up. Besides Stairway to Heaven, what did Led Zeppelin put on the top 40 list? This faxer wants to know. Well, guess what? How about, um, besides what? Yeah, you know the I, interesting part. The interesting part of it is Stairway to Heaven was never a hit. I right, not on the top forty. The top no. forty. No. no, it was an album cut. It was their most famous recording, but it was uh, never a single. Anyway, Whole Lot of Love was their biggest hit, reached number four. Immigrant Song, Black Dog, Dire Maker, Trampled Underfoot, and Fool in the Rain. All of these things were hits for Led Zeppelin. And Stairway to Heaven was never a hit. How do you like that? Huh? Already, it's just barely nine thirty, and we're learning stuff already today. Plus, we learned that Steve Eiserman's a real man. Let's see. Somebody suggested Come On Down to My Boat Baby by Every Mother's Son. Thank you, Mark. It's on our list today. Thank you. Hanson, forget about it. Uh, the Cheater by Bob Kubin and the Inmen. Thank you, Tim. Ten affirmative times. He just the time today's poll, Tim. Relax. Haven't you heard about the guy known as the Cheater? No. No. Did he spell uh, that right, by the way, the Inman, or rather? It's close enough. That, don't look. Don't start dicking with the pool. I reviewed the spelling. I just I went over it. It's uh, is it up now, official, or what? Can yes. I vote? Do I have our permission to vote? Yes. I don't know what I'm going to vote for. This is we got some good stuff. Which yeah, I'm going to listen to. Let's see. Mermaids is pretty good. Iron Butterfly in the God of David is pretty good. A lot of good stuff on here. Oh, how about Achy Breaky Heart? I don't think uh. so. <laughs> I got one for you that you might vote for. I am the god of hellfire! But I don't think so. We don't want to get Moal bent out of shape. I'm voting for this one, okay? I'm just going to click on it right now. The poll for today, this is part, what is this, part four? This is part, part four. four in our uh, search for the, uh, the your favorite one-hit uh, one wonders. Anybody who doesn't like it, <clears throat> kiss off, okay? We like it. We like it a lot. Anyway, here's uh, Fred from Chicago who says the polls on What Hit Wonders have been great, and you are... Absolutely correct, sir. We agree wholeheartedly. In fact, yesterday I mentioned a song that uh, George didn't know. 
and just happened to show up. What a coincidence. In every other song that I've heard lately, some fellow gets shot. Bob Lumen. And his baby and his best friend both die with him. As likely as not. Oh, in half of the other songs, some cats cry, are ready to die. We've lost most all of our happy people, and I'm wondering why. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. That was on uh, yesterday, I think. Or it was on one of the days. It didn't do all that well. And, of course, it, we knew it wouldn't do all that well. But you don't know that song, Let's Think About Living? Nope. Don't you remember Boca Brian did a, a song parody on that after 9-11? I parody. But you didn't know the song. Nope. Well, so it's not even 9.35 yet, and again, you learn something else. I feel enlightened. Anyway, this fax spread from Chicago says, Some of the songs have some interesting connections to my team, the White Sox. Back in the early 70s, Fox, a Sox organist Nancy Faust began playing Na Na Hey Hey Goodbye before the rather sparse crowds at Comiskey Park. The song was mostly unnoticed until 77 when the Sox had been picked for last caught fire and began drawing large crowds. They caught what? Fire. I am the god of hellfire, and I bring you fire. It says the fans adopted Na Na Hey Hey as their theme song, most usually when an opposing pitcher was yanked or a player was uh, ejected. It's still the team's unofficial theme song. And, of course, a lot of other uh, arenas and uh, stadiums use that, uh, you know, like at the end or like at the end of the series or at the end of a game that's, like, lopsided. I was at the ballpark the night they were giving a symbolic gold record to Steam, it says, who by now had broken up and didn't show up for the award. Instead, they sent some ersatz Steam band in center field to play the song. Well, about two bars into it, everybody starts singing and drowned out the poor gra- uh, garage band. Nancy Faust used another one-hit wonder in creative way years later. Luis Polonia, a little journeyman outfielder with the Yankees, was arrested in the Fister Hotel, Milwaukee, with a 15-year-old girl. The first time he came to bat in Chicago after his arrest, Nancy played, I fought the law and the law won. Also not a, well, I guess it was original then, because they, the Panthers didn't exist then, I guess. Because every time Paul Laws wins a fight with the uh, Panthers, they play, I fought the law and law. Remember that? I'm sure Robert remembers. Yes. Remember Paul Laws? The second time up, she played, you're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine. Lastly, about the small faces, the lead singer on Ichiku Park was Steve Marriott, who left to form Humble Pie with Peter Frampton. Marriott was replaced by Rod Stewart and Ron Wood, now the Stones, and the group was renamed The Faces. Very good, Fred. Interesting craft there. Not even 9.40, and we're learning more stuff. Here's one from Jeff in Lake Worth, who says, What about if you want to be happy for the rest of your life? Jimmy Soul. Good song, but the only problem is, Jeff, he also had a uh, top 40 hit called Twist and Matilda. Bet you didn't know that, did you? I did not. Like I said, it's not even 9.37 yet, and you're learning just tons of crap on his show. It's shocking to me. It's amazing. Here's one that says, Midnight at the Oasis by Maria Muldaur. Now she had other hits. Jenny by Tommy Tutone never was a hit. And Baker Street by Jerry Rafferty, who had several top 40 hits. So sorry. Sorry about that. And then the other ones, uh, any other, anybody else who faxed me stuff, you'll see uh, the ones that qualified are on today's list. Like Benny Mardona, as Maria says, Into the Night, uh, hit twice with the same song. You're right, number one, two times with the same song. I think only the uh, Kingsman and Louie Louie did the same thing, didn't they? I think you're right. That was released about 500 times. So anyway, uh, let's see. Debbie Boone. Debbie was on yesterday. She didn't do all that well, thank God. So I think we call, and then this asshole that uh, you know sent me this caustic thing about you goofball, you friggin' goofball, you know trying to be clever. This chronic uh, facts here because I recognize the handwriting. He's using the book. Anybody that's using the book, I got the book right here. We'll get around to all of these. And there's some good songs on here, like Just One Look by Doris Troy. But we'll get around to it. I mean, what the hell is that? He's using a book. Big deal. Are we impressed? No. Do we give a crap? No. Now get out of here, Mr. Big Shot with his stinking book. So here's the list from today, okay? And I'll give him his, uh, oh, we got a few votes on there already. It's on there on neilrogers.com. 
We'll take the top five from each day that we do this. What are we going to do? About 600 days? Please. And then we'll, uh, you know, and then we'll put them on there for a final uh, runoff, a spinoff. Which of these one-hit wonders was the best? Big country in a big country. Iron Butterfly and Agata DeVita. Autograph, turn up the radio. The crazy world of Arthur Brown and fire. Count five in psychotic reaction. I bet you I have that on here, too. If I can find a goddamn thing. Uh, Jesus Jones right here, right now. Jesus Jones. The Elegant's Little Star. Claudine Clark, Party Lights. Don and Juan. What's your name? The Rebels, Wild Weekend. The Rockin' Rebels from Buffalo, from Lackawanna, who got screwed over by Joey Reynolds and Tommy Shannon. The uh, Shantays and Pipeline. Uh, the Raindrops, The Kind of Boy You Can't Forget. Q Sakamoto and Sukiyaki. Barry and the Tamerlanes, and I wonder what she's doing tonight. Johnny Symbol, Mr. Bassman, very annoying song. Keep that in mind when we do the poll on the most annoying song of okay. all time. Oh, you remember that song, Mr. Bassman? They played it all over the place. The Janette, Sally Go Round the Roses. Kay Winding and more on Verve Records used to be my theme song back when I was a punk playing music. The Mermaids, Popsicles, Icicles. Buckner Garcia, Pac-Man Fever. Charlie Sexton, Beat So Lonely. Kicks, Don't Close Your Eyes. Benny Mardonis, Into the Night. Van McCoy and a Hustle. Musical Youth, Pasta Duchy, or is that Pasta Douchey? Oh, we had one note of Van McCoy. That was plenty. Uh, Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Relax. OMC. How Bizarre. Billy Ray Cyrus. Achy Breaky Heart. That's the only crossover hit. I know all the country and western people are going to say, oh, he had a million hits. Not on the uh, traditional chart. The Billboard Top 40. Robin Ward. Wonderful Summer. Twisted Sister. We're not going to take it. Every Mother's Son. Come on down to my boat. Uh, where am I? See, um, Dave Loggins. Please come to Boston. Robin Ward, I already did that. Well, that's because they're moving around now. Ernie Moresco, shout, shout, knock yourself out. Bob Cuban and the uh, Inmen. Didn't we just play that a minute ago? <laughs> the Exciters and Tellem. Mark Cohen walking in Memphis. Sir Mix-a-Lot, Baby get ba- Got Back. Who did Baby Get Back? The ba- uh Wait. Baby Get Back. That was Player. a good song. Player. Yeah, you're right. Baby Got Back, Sir Mix-a-Lot. House of Pain, Jump Around, La Tour, People Are Still Having Sex. Claudine Clark and Party Lights. Is that on there twice? London Beat, I've been thinking about you. Chesney Hawks and the one and only and Don and Juan. What's your name? Which I think that's... Maybe they just moved around a little bit. I hope. I hope they're not on there twice because that would be very, very... Wouldn't that be sloppy? Yeah, they are moving around. Yeah, they just move around a little bit. Okay, thank you. We got it, Eric. Thanks very much. Good job. 941 at 560 WQAM. Here's something you ought to get, and that's Oleomed. I've been telling you about it for a hell of a long time. What are you waiting for? More and more people are popping it in their puss and feeling the effects, the benefits of this great product, which is the best, the easiest way to get the benefits of olive oil into your body, into your system. Oleomed is a soft gel capsule. You just pop it in your puss, and it contains the best olive oil that money can buy, along with some other really good stuff like vitamins and minerals, herbals, too, to promote health for all different parts of your body. They have one product specifically for your prostate, one for your heart, for your blood pressure and cholesterol. Oleomed also has supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive and endocrine system, your skin and bones, even your mind, all using the benefits of, like I said, the greatest olive oil, the purest, the best that money can buy. And Oleomed's got products for men and for you ladies out there as well. Oleomed's available at more and more locations every day because more and more people want it, and the Oleomed, too. Pick some up at Walgreens, Whole Food Markets, Navarro Pharmacy, and Sedano's. You can call this toll-free number. They'll give you all the information you're looking for about what products they make and what they do for you and where to stick them. Call 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-O-L-E-O-M-E-D. And don't forget, you can order their products right off their website at oleomed.com.
listeners. Ed, Ed Kaplan's Game Nights. Weeknights at 10 on Sports Radio 560. QAM. It's Friday, you bastard. Forty-eight at five sixty WQAM. Uh, you know this Nancy Sinatra thing. Haven't we been through this already before? Yeah, we have. So I just thought I'd fax it so you could tell them. Scott says Nancy Sinatra. These boots were made for walking. Well, guess what? I mean, right off the bat, everybody remembers something stupid with the uh, Nancy and Frank. But she also had How Does That uh, Grab You, Darling? Friday's Child, Sugar Town, ripped off from the uh, McGuire Sisters, uh, Love Eyes, uh, a whole bunch of them. So get out of here with Nancy Sinatra, okay? Although everybody remembers something stupid by Nancy and Frank. Piece of crap. Also, Ben just doesn't want to give up. Ben, quit while you're behind, okay, sweetheart? You're going to miss me was a hit in 1966. By, he, he faxed me the same fax yesterday. By the 13th floor elevator, it was pretty cool. Well, guess what? It may have been a hit in your house, Ben, but it wasn't a hit anyplace else. And the only version of that that was a hit was by Connie Francis, which I'd be kind of embarrassed to admit that. And then he's got a list of other ones on here, like six of them, only one of which is Robin Ward, Wonderful Summer, which we put on today. 
All the other ones have got like uh, either they uh, were never a hit in the first place or they had more than one and do not qualify as one. Well. Sorry, Ben. Give up while you're behind. Here's one of the most grotesque stories. Have you seen this about the uh, teacher that uh, beat the kids with a broom? No, I did not. New York. New York police arrested a substitute teacher yesterday for allegedly attacking 19 of his first grade pupils with a broom handle. First grade, that's like six years old, right? Uh, five, six. Dalio Nunez, 57, lashed out after losing control of the class, police spokesman Sergeant Gregory Harold said. He faces assault charges. He smacked my daughter, Mother Tashana Sapp said. He smacked her so hard that he knocked her earring out of her ear. What the hell is a five-year-old kid or six-year-old kid doing with an earring in her ear anyway? Common. Sapp told WCBS-TV that Nunez beat one child with the back of a broomstick. He broke it and then hit him. These are babies. What gives him the right to hit our kids, Sapp said. The children were treated in the hospital and released, authorities said. A woman at Nunez's home identified herself as his wife and said he had been a substitute teaching for two years and that she was shocked by the assault accusations. The woman would not provide her name for obvious reasons. A Board of Education spokeswoman did not return phone calls and no further information about the incident was immediately available. Nobody's talking. I think we ought to take him out in the guy by the woodshed and just beat the crap out of him. In fact, let the kids stone him would be a good idea. Isn't that what it says in the Bible? Something about uh, substitute teachers who are like disobedient and beat up the kids should be surely stoned to death? Should, Doesn't should it say that? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure it says that. 951 at 560 WQAM. I'll tell you one thing. Anybody that goes out there and uh, wastes a lot of time and effort trying to buy a new mattress, they also must be stoned. Because mattress shopping is a total waste of time. Running all around town in your car, wasting a lot of gas, getting all sweated up, or maybe like a being out there in the pouring rain. How's it outlook today, by the way, speaking of that? Grim, bleak. Grim and bleak. Kind of like here now, it's kind of grim and bleak because they know the rumors are coming this weekend. Anyway, if you want to get you a great mattress, do what I always do. Just sit there, no matter what the weather is outside, and make one easy phone call, and they come to you. That's right, 1-800-MATTRESS. When you call that number, you are immediately connected to an expert betting consultant whose only job is to hook you up with a kind and the brand of mattress that you're looking for, a twin, a king, a queen, whatever you need. And, of course, the top brands in the world, Serta, Sealy, Simmons, King Coil, extra firm, extra soft, whatever way you like to sleep. So do yourself and your back a humongous favor, and your pocketbook, too, because they have everyday low prices that are unbeatable. Call 1-800-MATTRESS. They'll be there when it's convenient for you. Any two-hour window that you pick, any day, seven days a week. And you also get an unbeatable 30-day in-home comfort guarantee, so you can test your mattress the only smart way by sleeping on it. So whatever you do, don't be stupid when you go and buy a new mattress. Do the smart thing by making that one easy call. They'll be there in no time at all. 1-800-MATTRESS. That's the number to call. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Or check them out on that wicked World Wide Web. If You won't be waking up to Brian Gumbel anymore. What does he want to do next? And how does his beautiful fiancée, Hillary, feel about his cock? Tonight he gives us his exclusive private story. Brian, why did you leave the morning show? Um, I told CBS <coughs> them that this was it. This was done. CBS? Yeah. CBS. <laughs> One of the things that may have hurt Gumbel's popularity, especially with women, was his highly public bitter divorce from his wife of 27 years, June. In fact, Brian Gumbel has found a new woman to share his life with. Not long after you separated from your wife, you began appearing in public with a new woman, mm -hmm. Hillary Clinton. Yes? Mm -hmm. Let's meet Hillary. Okay. I, I'm delighted to be here and... Uh... CBS. <laughs> <laughs> so the big question, mm -hmm. did Hillary break up that marriage? Yeah. Well, sure. Is that bad? 
Yes, no. people say. I say, why not? Why not uh, ball it from <laughs> one end to the other? <laughs> 956. How did I do this? How did I wind up uh, taking that break so early? You know, I must uh, be a little off my feed today, huh? Or maybe I'm just trying to get ahead of myself. Maybe I'd like to get out of here early. Oh, and I do want to say this. Mad Dog said on, was it yesterday we had the baseball game or Wednesday in the afternoon? You're asking me. It was Wednesday. And I forgot to mention this. He, If somebody would have called him, he would have uh, taken me up on the offer to do the extra half hour. You mean he wasn't listening? And he was very appreciative of that. Huh? No, I, uh, he was not listening. <laughs> no, in his house? Do you think he'd be listening in his house? No. You listen to the radio to this station in your house? No. You don't even listen to this station in your car, mister. So what the hell are you talking about? I would so at least I, show. At least I appreciate the fact that he acknowledged my very generous offer and said he would have taken me up on it, and he's okay in my book. He's, All right. if you ask me. Every DJ's favorite song. This is called Take Your Crap Music, baby. Seven and a half minutes long. Every morning DJ just love to play this right out of the box. Right out of your box. Because, you know, early in the morning, you come running a little bit late, you slap this on and then Spring was never waiting for us, I mean if you can't do it in seven and a half minutes, forget about it. At an extraordinary meeting on the sex scandal that's shaken the Roman Catholic Church, US bishops took a step toward a zero tolerance policy. Oh, by the way, WQM Miami Fort Lauderdale. See I screwed that all up there. It's all right. Close enough. At an extraordinary meeting on the sex scandal at Chick in the Roman Catholic Church, U.S. bishops took a step toward a zero-tolerance policy for pedophile priests after scrapping a proposal that would have kept some abusive clergy in the ministry. Bishops met in a closed-door session until late yesterday as they crafted a plan that Catholic leaders hope will end the crisis that seen dismissal or resignation of over 250 accused priests since January. Four bishops have also stepped down. Final legislation was to be approved today, progress considered unprecedented for a church that often debates issues for years, but that now, of course, is scurrying to try to cover it up and make it look good. Last week's initial draft proposed that a priest who abused one minor in the past could be reassigned to a parish, though only if he underwent counseling, was examined by a review board, agreed to supervision, and publicly disclosed his misconduct. Cardinal Francis George of Chicago said it would be unacceptable to allow abusive priests to continue with parish work. That sounds as if you can do it once and no one would pay attention to you, he said. You see, if I can interject this thought in here again, because it's very, very important and can't be said too many times, what we have here is the church making law, which is totally unacceptable to any, like, law-abiding citizen. The church can't decide what the punishment should be. The punishment should be up to the, uh, you know, civil authorities. You pass it along to the police and let them throw their ass in jail, which is where child molesters belong. Archbishop Harry Flynn of St. Paul in Minneapolis, head of the drafting committee, indicated this left two options, strict zero tolerance, ousting any priest found guilty of abuse, or a slightly less strict policy of the sort advocated by Cardinal Theodore McCarrick of Washington, D.C., who's one of the real apologists and assholes. McCarrick has suggested allowing some older men guilty of one past misdeed to remain technically in the priesthood, but living in close confinement, kept out of parishes and barred from celebrating public masses. In other words, keep them like in the closet. A less contentious aspect of last week's proposal that all future acts of molestation would result in expulsion was expected to be retained today. Yesterday's meeting came after a highly dramatic opening in which Bishop Wilton Gregory, president of the U.S. Conference of Bishops, bluntly acknowledged that the bishop's mistakes helped cause the scandal. While Gregory has repeatedly apologized for the bishop's role in the crisis, his remarks yesterday were perhaps his most direct yet. We are the ones who chose not to report the criminal actions of priests to the authorities because the law didn't require this, he said. We're the ones who worried more about the possibility of scandal than in bringing about the kind of openness that helps prevent abuse. 
Bishops also heard victims tell how pain permeated their lives. Michael Bland of Chicago told of joining the priesthood but leaving after trying to persuade church leaders to take action against his molester. The priesthood lost me but kept the perpetrator, said Bland, a psychologist who works with victims in the Chicago Archdiocese. Gregory once again told victims he was sorry for the pain they suffered and further asked forgiveness from the faithful priests whose reputations have been marred by the misconduct of a few, as he said. Right, a few. He also asked bishops who were guilty of abuse to turn themselves in to Vatican authorities. How about just to the police would be good, huh? Yeah, we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, instead of letting the Pope and his henchmen over there cover it up. One of the leaders hardest hit by the scandal, Boston's Cardinal Bernard Law, had plans to apologize to his fellow prelates, said his spokesman Donna Morrissey. The national crisis began when Boston court documents revealed that Law allowed a pedophile priest to continue to serve. That's Father Gagan, for those who haven't been keeping track. Outside the hotel where the meeting was being held, about 50 people protested the church's handling of abuse cases. About 150 people later attended an evening prayer service that started with the song, Healing River. An opening prayer included the line, Fill your hearts of your faithful people gathered here, and the hearts of our bishops gathered in earnest deliberation. <laughs> right. After the bishops approve of reform policy today, they plan to take up a second document listing norms or key provisions that affect church law in America. I wonder if Norm Kent's going to be on that list. These require Vatican approval to become binding on all U.S. dioceses since each bishop answers to Rome, not the bishops' conference. Otherwise, the policy would remain a mere gentleman's agreement. Flynn said there was no time this week to prepare a third document that would spell out details on ousting priests. That'll wait until the bishops' November meeting, he said. Victims in independent caucuses meeting here pressed for a further radical demand that U.S. church leaders lobby Rome to remove bishops who keep abusive clergy on duty while ignoring warnings. There seemed little prospect that today's final document would endorse that idea. Makes too much sense. All of the nearly 400 retired and active bishops in the U.S. were invited to this week's conference, but only the active prelates, who number around 285, can vote on the policy. And as I said, if you want to look up Wednesday morning's Dallas Morning News, you'll find out that two-thirds of these hotshots in a church were uh, guilty of protecting and uh, covering up for the abusers, and all belong in jail. Doug Montero writes in the New York Post today, boy, he's good. Perv clergy tracker can't catch Cardinal's ear. He says you'd figure it would be easy for John Bambrick, a priest from New Jersey, to get a sit-down chat with Cardinal Edward Egan, but he can't despite a formal letter requesting it. You see, Bambrick is a priest sexual abuse victim, an advocate who wants Egan to rein in and defrock a priest who abused him during the 1980s. The accused priest, Reverend Anthony Aramito, was once a pastor at Holy Cross Church on West 42nd Street in Manhattan, and he's still on the loose. Loose in Lubbock, Texas, about 300 miles west of Dallas, where the bishops in Egan are trying to resolve a pre-sex abuse scandal that's exploded in their faces. Squirt, squirt. Also in Dallas is Bishop Placido Rodriguez, who heads the Lubbock Diocese, which in 1998 allowed him to minister at a hospital called the Covenant Health System. The hospital is affiliated with a children's medical center. Yesterday, the local Lubbock paper reported that Aramito took a leave of absence from his chaplain duties after Bambrick found him this past March. I felt that's when I should go public because I feel that we're not going to remove him, said Bambrick, 37. I felt the best chance I had of saving kids was to tell their parents about him. If they weren't going to remove him, then I would do it, he said. That's what he wants to talk to Egan about. Once a priest is ordained by the Archdiocese of New York, he remains their property regardless of where they were assigned. The same principle applies to all child molesting priests from the New York area diocese who melt into society only to resurface again, ready for action. Eremito got into trouble in 1991 when Bamberg told the Archdiocese of New York about the sexual abuse that began when he was 15 and an aspiring priest. The late Cardinal O'Connor removed Eremito from Holy Cross and suspended him. A few years later, Bamberg learned Eremito was working at a Westchester County church and later at a church in Atlantic Highlands, New Jersey, before he split town. Joseph Zwilling, an Archdiocese spokesman, acknowledged Eremito was among three dozen priests whose names were handed over to the area district attorney. 
and Zwilling said the Diocese of Lubbock was aware of Eremito's troubles in New York and decided to let him preach anyway. Eremito did not return a call for comment. Bishop Rodriguez said he was unaware of the allegations against Eremito and had taken him on with a recommendation from Cardinal O'Connor. Writes Doug Montero in today's New York Post. Oi! Who the hell are they kidding, huh? They knew all about it. They kept covering, slipping it under the carpet and moving them all around. And, uh, and like I said before, maybe they were sharing. You know, maybe they're giving tips and phone numbers. Herald reports parishioners rallied to back their pastor. And, of course, this always happens every single time. Remember the rabbi up there in Boca, the child molester? Right. And the all, the people, all the people in his shul said, oh, couldn't be Rabbi Schmendrick, whatever the hell his name was. Couldn't be him. He's a wonderful upstanding. Well, it was him. Always happens because the flock are brainwashed. At times holding hands, at times wiping away tears, hundreds of parishioners flocked to St. Brendan Catholic Church yesterday to show their faith in their longtime pastor, the Reverend Jose Nixie, who was accused of sexually abusing an altar boy 20 years ago. Those who attended the evening mass, followed by a rosary service and a procession that circled the Westchester Church, said their belief in Nixie's innocence is unshakable. I can't see a St. Brendan without Father Nixie, said Jose Losa, choking back sobs in a back pew. <laughs> A thirty don't don't play that Dan Rather thing, okay? That would be in bad taste. You know the one I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, that one. Choking back know. tears in a back pew. A thirty year member of the parish, Losa said his two sons were altar servers at the time the alleged abuse took place. We are all standing behind him as a family, he said. Nixie fifty five is one of the most prominent priests to be suspended in South Florida since the clergy sex abuse scandal spread across the country earlier this year. Pastor of St. Brendan since nineteen eighty two, Nixie has helped build one of the area's largest parishes with a congregation that numbers forty five hundred. The Archdiocese of Miami placed Nixie on administrative leave June four after receiving a complaint from a man now in his mid thirties who accused the priest of molesting him when he was a fifteen year old Saint Brendan altar boy. The man's lawyer, Sheldon Stevens, said he plans to file suit next week against Nixie. The Reverend Ricardo Castellanos, 56, who's accused of molesting the same man, and three others, and the Archdiocese, too. Both priests have been suspended while a lay panel appointed by Archbishop Favalara investigates. Depending on the outcome, the priest could be reinstated or removed. The Archdiocese recently confirmed that 12 priests have been suspended or have retired since 1998 because of past sex abuse complaints. Nixie's attorney, Doug McIntosh of Fort Lauderdale, said the allegations against his client are baseless. Are we going to fight them? Absolutely yes, McIntosh said. Are we going to preserve his good name? Absolutely yes. The faithful of St. Brendan say they have the same resolve. We're behind him 100%, said Pablo Fajarado, pointing at a mammoth sign on the front of the church that read, We support Father Nixie. Said Marie Feraldo, whose two children attend the church elementary school and are altar servers, There's no substance to this. There's only dollar signs to this. Feraldo said she's disconcerted by what she described as a lack of information from the archdiocese. We're generally disappointed by the lack of support the Archdiocese has given to Father Nixie and to the parish, she said. Nixie didn't attend yesterday's service. He's been temporarily replaced by St. Brendan's associate pastor, the Reverend Charles Peterman. At yesterday's Mass, the Reverend Francisco Calderon read a letter from Nixie to the parish. This allegation is totally unfounded, read the letter dated June 5th. I'm shocked and dumbfounded, but not hateful. I forgive my accuser, he said. Oh, man. He forgives his accuser. Isn't that nice? Yeah, sweet. That's pretty white of him, I'd say. Oh, look at this. Rock and Ron, he's an asshole. Don't send me any more of his faxes, okay? okay. Rock and Ron and Medley is a major asshole who thinks he knows something about music. Hey, guess what, Ron? We don't take instructions on how to do the show, okay? I'll talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. And everybody and their brother wants to hear about the goddamn Catholic Church and his scandal, okay? Well, it's hotter than a goddamn mashed potato. Oh, speaking of mashed potatoes, how about D.D. Sharp? Now she had more other... Yes. Now look at this. We got a we got a battle going on here. For a minute, I thought it was going to be like uh, Iron Butterfly and a Runaway, didn't you? In a Gata Davida. That's what I voted for. Sixteen votes. Yeah, it's a great song. 
Uh, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Relax. Eleven. Big Country in a Big Country Eight. Twisted Sister. We're not going to take it. Got foe. Billy's Ray Cyrus. Achy breaky heart. He be having a foe. The Elegance Little Star. That's what I voted for. Got three. Now let's see. Oh, you know what we don't have on there yet? We'll get it on there next time. Next time we do this, like maybe Monday or whenever the hell I feel like it. Set. What is this? What is this? I don't know. Oh, it's Al Wilson and the Snake. Trousers Snake. Not a one-hit wonder, though. Sorry, Booker Brian. He had other hits. But the Snake is always good. No way to work one morning. Remember this? Down the path no. alongside the lake. Don't. A tender-hearted woman saw a poor half-frozen snake. <laughs> His pretty. There's nothing worse than a half-frozen snake, I'll tell you that. Except maybe like a totally frozen snake. Connecticut courts helped hide abuse, judge says. A Connecticut Superior Court judge accused the state's judiciary this week of long-standing complicity in the Diocese of Bridgeport's efforts to keep hidden from the public the extent of clergy sexual abuse, including a church cover-up, which the judge said is at the heart of the scandal. In a written opinion released late Wednesday, Judge Robert... Oh, wait till you hear this name. Are you holding on to all sides uh, of your I'm seat? Strapped in. in a written opinion released late Wednesday, Judge Robert F. McWeeny... <laughs> criticized what he called a judicial model of cooperation with the diocese endlessly, in endlessly delaying litigation, sealing files, and coercing victims into non-disclosure settlements. Isn't that what they call hot dogs at McDonald's? In extraordinary language, I didn't know they sold hot dogs at uh, McDonald's. That would be a good name for it, though, wouldn't it be? <laughs> hey, come get your McWeenie. Yeah. McDeath, McWeenie. In extraordinary language aimed at the Connecticut Appellate Court, which has delayed his order that seven boxes of secret documents be made public, McWeenie declared that it is indefensible morally as well as legally to keep the documents under court seal. Even the delay, he said, precludes any timely vindication of any public right to access this compelling information. Compelling information, said McWeenie. In this week's opinion and in a May 8 order that the records of 23 settled lawsuits become public, McWeenie hinted that the documents will be damaging to the church. If his order is upheld, then the records may cause further problems for Cardinal Egan, who's headed the Bridgeport Diocese for 12 years until he was elevated to Archbishop of New York in 2000. In a little-noticed footnote to his May 8th decision, McWeeny referred to one case not yet publicly uh, reported. He wrote that one of the defendant priests, following at least two complaints of sexual abuse of minors and a diagnosis of chronic schizophrenia paranoid type, was promoted to the position of pastor. While so engaged, he was accused of further incidents of child sexual abuse. What a shock. What a surprise, huh? God. Thank you, uh, Reverend McWeenie, or whatever the hell your name is. That is, that is, you're right, that is a good idea. And how come they don't sell hot dogs at fast food joints? Have you ever asked yourself that question? I have. And? I don't know. I don't know the answer. Doesn't everybody like a nice weenie every now and then? Every now and then. Speaking of that, speaking of weenies, joined the big dog Joe Rose one to three today for his live broadcast at Hooters and Pembroke Pines. Marlins outfielder Cliff Floyd will be on hand signing autographs along with the QM Prize Patrol. Plus, meet the beast and Billy the Marlin will be on hand with all-star ballots so you can vote for Mike Lowell to be a starter in this year's Midsummer Classic. The all-star game is what I think they call it. So come out to Hooters and Pembroke Pines, vote for Mike Lowell in 2002. Hang out with your friends from QAM and Joe Rose too. Well, he's like kind of, kind of from QAM, you know, every now and then. Like today when Mad Dog, you know something, I don't think anybody in the world's got a better deal than Mad Dog. Yeah. Except maybe, except maybe Mrs. Mad Dog. 12 minutes after 10 at 560 WQM, if you want a sensational meal at a truly outstanding restaurant, one that's been voted uh, for the past 14 years in a row, one of Broward's best, here's the place, Armadillo Cafe. 
used to be on Davy Road Extension in a very uh, unobtrusive-looking place, and because it became so big and famous, and they had to uh, get a greater location, bigger and better than ever. And that's in the Pizza Loft Plaza on University Drive in Davy, between Griffin and 595, right beyond Pier 1 Imports there, with loads and loads of free parking and complimentary valet parking, too. The food at Armadillo is out of this world, mouth-watering. Start out with appetizers like the tequila grilled shrimp with corn cakes, the tempura island princess conch. Their spinach salads are sensational with glazed pecans, pistachio-crusted mozzarella salad with lemon basil dressing. Now, what's that uh, word? Chipotle? Chipotle. Now, what do they have the Chipotle? What is that in? Jars. No, no, that's in one of their salads. Hi- hydroponic arugula with honey uh, Chipotle dressing. And you know something? I think uh, the door maybe is a jar. And the entrees, man, prepared with the best and freshest ingredients. Try the pan-seared yellowtail snapper with roasted peppers or the sea bass with sweet corn and veal glaze. Lots and lots of great entrees, the likes of which you've never seen. Not, not just your pedestrian stuff. And for dessert, speaking of not just pedestrian, the best creme brulee in the history of mankind and warm chocolate fritters covered in hot fudge, which I can't wait to try. Call the Armadillo Cafe for reservations at 954-423-9954. Be sure and tell them that Neil sent you by for an unbelievable meal. Why not try it this weekend? 954-423-9954, the astonishing Armadillo Cafe in is the Marlins take on the Tampa Bay Devil Rays tonight. Coverage gets underway at 6.30 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. Packwood can't keep his packer in his pants. Roll another blunt. Yeah. Oh, Because I got high. Go. Uh, go. 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 I lost my kids and wife. Uh, because I got high. Say what? Say what? 
sidewalk and I know why. Why, baby? Yeah. Because I got high. Because I got high. Because I got high. La 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 da da da. I'ma stop singing this song because I'm high. This whole thing wrong because I'm high. And if I don't sell one copy, I know why. Why, Authorities carried out raids in Southern California across the country and arrested at least 32 suspects yesterday in a crackdown on Mexico's biggest drug gang, the Ariano Felix Cartel. Oh, let's hear it, baby. We're doing it. A poison that's affecting our children has been removed from the streets, said L.A. Police Chief Martin Pomeroy. The Arellano Felix organization is believed to have shipped tons of cocaine and marijuana through the border city of Tijuana and onto distributors in California and the Midwest over the past two decades. It's also believed to have been behind more than 300 murders. The raids and the arrests carried out by federal, state, and local officials took place at 30 locations in Southern California, as well as in New York, Arizona, Minnesota, Connecticut, authorities said. Those arrested included Juan Carlos, uh, I'm sorry, Juan Ramon, uh, same difference, Camacho, and Rosario Uyarte, who are alleged to be kingpins of the L.A. drug trafficking operations. District Attorney Steve Cooley said the raids netted 32 arrests and that 38 other people remained at large. Mexico's Attorney General said this week that uh, the gang remains strong despite the death of top enforcer Ramon Ariano Felix, who was shot by police in February, and uh, the capture a month later of his brother. It still remains strong. And you know what? It's uh, well, What's the point? You know what I'm going to say. What are you going to say? In the world of money, drugs, crooks, and cops, the basic theme is always the same, but favored methods of breaking the law uh, do tend to change, says CBS. Arrest announced Wednesday by the U.S. and Colombia through a sharp spotlight on the latest wrinkle in the heroin trade. U.S. and Colombian authorities have charged 25 people with drug conspiracy for allegedly smuggling in clothes soaked in liquid heroin. Authorities say up to 20 kilograms of heroin with a street value of $3 million was brought into the U.S. every month since October of 2001. James Comey, U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York, says heroin has made a big comeback in the U.S. drug scene, with Colombian producers taking over the East Coast market from the Southeast and the Southwest. Comey called the drug ring smashed by the arrest, one of the most powerful and most dominant in the world. The arrests were the result of a six-month investigation by the DEA and Colombian National Police. The indictment charges that drugs were allegedly soaked into garments or hidden in luggage with false compartments. Couriers, including U.S. defendants, then smuggled the heroin through South and Central for uh, distribution in New York, in Miami, Houston, Philadelphia, and Boston, according to the indictment. One courier was caught May 29 smuggling 55 pounds of heroin soaked clothing in the Houston indictment, says the smugglers allegedly used a chemical to reduce the heroin to liquid form and dipped the clothing in the fluid. Extract the drug, the clothes were later soaked in another liquid chemical, which evaporated and left the narcotics. The heroin operation was allegedly based in Pereira, Colombia, where the drugs were bought. Here's somebody who had to send this letter to the ACLU. This is depressing. Did you read this? Yeah, it is depressing. To show you what a uh, religious fanatic country most of you are living in, those of you who live in the U.S. of A., from a man named Robert who, uh, for obvious reasons, uh, blocks out his last name, which I don't blame him. To Howard Simon of the ACLU, he writes, My name is Robert. I'm an American citizen born in Miami, Florida, and served my country in Operation Desert Storm. Today was the first time in my life I've ever been embarrassed to be an American. My wife is from England. She's been living here for five years. The first opportunity she had, she turned in her paperwork and $295 to become a citizen. She studied hard for her test and submitted all the paperwork that was called for, including the written letter explaining that she wanted to affirm instead of so help me God on her oath of citizenship. 
She came out of the room in tears because the person testing her and his supervisor at the 77 Southwest 5th Street Office of Immigration in Miami said that the exception to the oath was only for Jehovah's Witnesses and that her status was now pending submittal of paperwork that requires a letter from her church leader, etc. When I gave the oath to die for my country if need be, I was allowed to affirm, why is this not the case for someone applying for citizenship? What upset her the most was that the study test had the question, what is covered by the First Amendment, and a few lines later, whose rights are protected by the Constitution? The answer to the latter being both citizens and non-citizens alike. She has spent the afternoon in tears and keeps pointing out that had she been a Christian, she would be a citizen right now, but because she's an atheist, she was denied. I don't know if I could find a better example of religious discrimination if I tried. We are both offended. I'm ashamed about what happened today and would like any help you could provide, Mr. Simon. Thank you in advance. Hope that Howard Simon's able to help me. Okay. Sue the goddamn bastards, okay, Howard? Sue their ass. Bunch of bullcrap. Just like John Ashcroft getting up there a couple of months ago and making those outrageous, disgusting, dis uh, disgraceful comments about how Islam, you know, how we recognize Islam and anybody who believes in God, meaning Jews and Christians, but of course not anybody who's not part of those three religions. So not just only atheists and agnostics, but anybody who's like Seventh-day Adventists, uh, Buddhists, uh, Hindu, uh, you name it. You're a bunch of animals anyway, according to John Ashcroft, our Attorney General. This is the mentality you're dealing with. It's called a bunch of Fabrician Glams what you're dealing with. Enforcing civil rights laws. Yeah, that, what do you know about that, mister? Who the hell's he kidding? He's on there right now with his robe on. Helping the disabled. Look at that look on his puss. You can see it written all over his face, can't you? Go to, go to CNN right now, Channel 54. Take a look at that puss. With those Alfred E. Newman ears. Dangerous. D stands for dumb and stands for dangerous. Anyway, here's the facts about, uh, let's see, something in the ear by Thunderclap Newman. You know something, it is a great song. Didn't you vote for that the other day? I, when it was I on did, it? yeah. Sure wish we had that. It said it was used at the closing of the movie The Magic Christian, starting Peter Sellers, Ringo Starr, Will Brenner, Roman Polanski, Raquel Wells, and must be movies still available, it says. Great song. I sure hope you saved the thing from yesterday, because I think I Schmidt canned it. The thing, the list? The list. The results? Yeah. I I didn't print up yesterday's well, results. Oh, no. Would that be a disaster or what? Well, it's still in the garbage. You didn't hark in there, did you? Oh! How could I do that? That's what happens when you got too much crap laying around. I'm trying to find, like, a, a you know, a spot. Which I have right. a, a spot on top of my uh, computer screen here, but I just, uh, I think I might have schmidt, just, just in case. Just tell Eric, just stand by, okay? Stand by for news, and the bad news is I think I schmidt can that. Uh, I was looking to see how many votes I got on her yesterday, Thunderclap Newman. Not, not many. Not enough. Not many. Iron Butterfly's got 20. Frankie goes to Hollywood, relax, 15. Big Country in a Big Country 11. Twisted Sister. It's a uh, three horse race so far. 
27 past 10 at 560 WQM. All you South Florida dieters out there have been telling you for a long time about the delights of West Boca and always about their incredible selection of Atkin products and low-carb foods, how you can sample every product before you buy it, and how the store is extended hours from Monday till Sunday till 10 p.m. Also telling you about the knowledgeable, friendly staff, some of whom are even fat. And those should all be reason enough to shop at Delights, right? Well, guess what? You're wrong, because Delights of West Boca carries all Atkins brands of foods, snacks, and supplements, and Delights sells them to you for 25% off every Atkins item every day. Don't need any coupons or normals on quantity. No fine printer disclaimers. Just 25% off on all Atkins products all the time. Buy by the piece or buy by the case. 25% off. And Delights offers everyday discounts on hundreds of low-carb items like Carbolite chocolate bars and Champion Light sports drink. Remember, there's only one Delights of West. By the way, speaking of Champion Light the sports drink, yeah. see, any, see any of it up here? No. I, I just mentioned that. Stop by Delights of West Boca. There's only one, the original, on the northeast corner of Glades in 441 in Boca. Call them toll-free at 1-877-LOW-CARB or see them on the web at lowcarb.com. And while you're there, don't forget to try their great-tasting Carbolite ice cream, too. That's Delights of West Boca, your official... Yank it, baby! Thirty-three at five sixty WQAM. So the VH1 list, you notice in the top twenty, they've got like a little blurb about each song. Oh, I found yeah. my thing in the trash. In Good. addition to which, I was wrong anyway, because Thunderclap Newman was on Wednesday, not yesterday. Okay. And it didn't do that badly. It didn't do that great. It had uh, twenty-five votes. Came in about like uh, number twelve, something like that. That's uh, you know. And look at some of the songs that finished ahead of it, like Turning Japanese. I mean, yeah. Turning Japanese was fun, and the song too. But, uh, I mean, that's better than Thunderclap Newman. No. Nope. Something in the year. Mungo Jerry in the summertime. <laughs> beat it out by one vote. You see, there's something that really pisses us off about that. Because some of you got taste in your Rectum. ass. Anyway, getting back to uh, the comments in here on the VH1. You can go and see VH1's top 100 one-hit wonders on the uh, VH1, whatever the hell their website is, which I'm assuming it's VH1.com. Is that it? I would assume, Robert. Yeah. Anyway... Uh, Come on, Eileen by Dexy's Midnight Runners, which came in first in our poll yesterday, pretty handily. 
It says singer Kevin Rowland and his British musical collective dressed in dungarees and mingled genres like rock and Celtic soul. But nobody expected this single, whose sing-along chorus overwhelmed the dour ly lyrical perspective, to knock Michael Jackson's Billie Jean off the number one spot in 83. So it knocked off Michael Jackson, so we like it already. Oh! You bet. And one yesterday, hands down your pants. Speaking of hands down your pants, here's a distressing story. Welcome. A woman. I beg <laughs> your pardon? It's a funny story. It's a great story. Birmingham, Alabama. Just the kind of place you'd expect a story like this to happen. Thank in you, the Robert, deep south. Huh? Robert found that. Thank you, Robert. Oh, this is from wow. Fox, so you know it must be amusing. A woman enraged that her boyfriend attacked him with a utility knife and nearly cut off all of his buttocks. Wreck him! Leaving him near death in a dark rural road, a prosecutor said Thursday. We've heard of people having their penis cut off, like John Wayne Bobbitt and others, but this is the first time I think I've ever heard of it, somebody getting his buttocks, his ass chopped off. I think maybe it's no coincidence that CNN is saying ass every other word today with that story about uh, Peter uh, Jennings. I think maybe it's all ass week. You've heard of ass Wednesday? Maybe it's just like ass week. Just want a piece of ass. The injuries were so severe, investigators initially believed the victim was sexually tortured and dragged behind a car in a possible hate crime. The man has not fully described what happened to police, but they said they believe his girlfriend acted alone. She was arrested Wednesday and charged with attempted murder. Uh, you know, we've heard of axe murderers before. She could have been like the first ass murderer. The gruesome nature of the injuries is almost mind-boggling, said District Attorney Chris McCool. With the trauma of the attack, how do you talk about that? Well, I don't know. Kimberly King, 26, of Aliceville, was jailed without bail. This ain't right, she told a TV news crew as she was arrested. King didn't have a lawyer Thursday. This ain't right, she said. King and her boyfriend had been at a bar in Mississippi late Saturday or early Sunday, McCool said. They left separately after an argument. Police said she pulled up behind his vehicle on an isolated highway near Aliceville. In other words, she pulled up on his rear and began stabbing him with a large knife. When he fell, she got down on him and just started cutting, McCool said. The victim, Rodney... Oh, <laughs> do you see what his name is? Yes. The victim, Rodney Outlaw, 25, regained consciousness sometime later and drove about nine miles, nine to the nearest home. He remained hospitalized Thursday. Aliceville's about 80 miles southwest of Birmingham. So there's the first guy we ever heard who's on the verge of death because his Rectum. ass got chopped off. Boy. 24 votes for Iron Butterfly and a God of DeVita. For, and, you know, the sad part of it is we don't have any of these, the top four on there now. I just mentioned that in passing. Hey, Brian. Yeah. Iron Butterfly and a God of DeVita, 24. Frankie goes to Hollywood, 17. Big Country in a Big Country, 11. Twisted Sisters got nine. And Van McCoy and a Hustle's got seven. We didn't, uh, this didn't make the cut today. We'll have to put it on a future one. It won't get any votes because it's old and whatever. Come on, come on, let me show you Chris Kenner. Come on, let me show you where it's at. Come on, let me show you where it's at. The name of the place is... I like it like that. I mean, how could that not get a lot of votes? It's not on there yet. Don't panic. But it won't. You mark my words. Because they don't know from it, I think. 10.37 at 5.60 WQM, we got Joe Rose at Hooters for the Mad Dog today, 1 to 3. Is there anybody in the world with a better gig than the Mad Dog? No. Uh, 3 o'clock, it's Hank in the studio with the shortened show because you got Marlins on Drek at 6.30. Marlins against the Tampa Bay Devil Rays at PP Park, 7.05 tonight. Eddie K after the ball game and Joe and Mark overnight, 2 to 6. Boy, should be a gigantic uh, bunch of crowds for that series this weekend, huh? For the Devil Rays. And uh, how come it says Tampa Bay Devil Rays on here? Didn't they drop finally the devil from the name? Or am I wrong about that, Robert? I think it's just the Rays. Yeah. 
Yeah, those uh, yahoos over there in Tampa, they had a uh, Schmidt fit the first uh, season or two because of that devil thing. Tampa. Yeah. All those voodoo people over there, and they said, oh, we don't want the devil in our name. And so they dropped devil from the name, and not just the temper, and nobody still shows up, and there's still like 80 games under 500. They still suck. This is a sequel to a story we gave uh, several days ago that like uh, had us you know, kind of interested, but the bad news is Nixon White House counsel John Dean had been all set to lay out his latest theory about the identity of the mysterious Watergate tipster who helped topple a presidency this Monday, coming up Monday. But... Online magazine Salon.com had promised in April that the 30th anniversary of the June 1772 Watergate burglary, John Dean and Salon.com will unmask the real deep throat. Well, now it seems maybe not. Dean says his deep throat information has been adamantly denied and editors are making last-minute changes in the 40,000-word e-book. What's happened is, as the field has narrowed, the denials have become much more forceful, but there were only X number of people out there who could fall into the clues and who could have been deep throat, Dean told the AP. Salon.com managing editor Scott Rosenberg said he's still aiming for a Monday publication date for the e-book, but he admitted what began as a project to remove the veil for one of America's greatest political mysteries has become more complex in recent days. The book has changed and may continue to change, he said. The idea was to publish Dean's theories as an e-book available to paying subscribers, providing a financial boost to the struggling Internet company. I'm trying to shed as much light as possible on the mysterious deep throat. I have a lot of information, Dean said. He would not provide further details, because that would be bad for business. Dean served 127 days in prison for his part in the Watergate scandal after testifying before the Senate about President Nixon's efforts to cover up a break-in at the Democratic National Committee headquarters. Nixon branded him as a traitor after the testimony. Years ago, Dean named Watergate prosecutor Earl J. Silbert and Nixon Chief of Staff Alexander M. Haig as potential deep throats. Both men and others steadfastly have denied it. Washington Post reporter Bob Woodward was guided by the uh, secretive source and colleague Carl Bernstein have never revealed Deep Throat's true identity. Woodward said he'll remain mum until Deep Throat dies. So if you're looking forward to Monday to getting the inside crap, I don't know why everybody's so excited about that. Are you? Yeah. I couldn't care. I'd rather know who killed Cock Robin, you know, something like that, something important. 1040, 20 before 11 at 560 WQM on kind of a murky Friday. I've got a Castro story coming up. Boy, that Jimmy Carter sure did a lot of good down there, didn't he? No. No. <clears throat> same old crap. Hey, Tom Lehman's not uh, dishing out the same old crap at Hallett Pontiac. Every time you turn around, he's coming up with something new and innovative and really uh, nifty. Like right now, it's Hallett's 2002 Neil Rogers Neil Deal Blowout Sale. That's the motto. When in doubt, blow it out. Stop by Hallett Pontiac GMC at 13401 South Dixie Highway on US-1. Right across the street from the falls, the same great spot. They've been doing it right for over 35 years. And where right now the lowest sale price is marked on the invoice on all brand-new 2002 cars and trucks in stock. And you can choose either 1.9% financing or up to a $3,500 rebate, whichever tingles your toes. Check out the complete line of GMC SUVs, including the Envoy, voted by Motor Trend as SUV of the year. And be sure and take a peek at the all-new Vibe SUV, Vibe with the power of a sports car, at just a small fraction of the price. Hallett's also got an unbelievable and unbeatable selection of pre-owned cars, trucks, and dependable SUVs as well. If you were turned down for credit anyplace else in the world, have no fear, because Tom Lehman and the good people at Hallett will make sure they cut you a deal some way. It's the 2002 Neil Rogers Deal Blowout Sale going on right now at Hallett Pontiac, right across from the falls in South Dade, open every day, seven days a week. For more information, you can call the Neil Rogers, I can't even say it, the Neil Rogers Neil Deal Hotline. God, it's like that Neil wakes me up in the morning thing from Zeta at 1-888-534-4211. That's 1-888-534-4211. Hallett Pontiac GMC, where they say, and we're not exactly sure why, we are... Regal's Talking Hardball. 
I want to bang you in the butt, honey. It's 11.30 in the morning. You've just taken a 15-minute nap. You won that game of dodgeball. You've cleaned all the erasers. Recess is almost over. And you've just done duty in your pants. It's Miller time. Ten forty-five at five sixty WQM. George, start your list for Monday. I already did. You did. What do you put on there? Chris Canner, and I like it like that. Okay, here's a couple more, three more. All right, because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking to myself about novelty records, since novelty records do a lot better than they probably should. Here's one: Sheb Woolley, the Purple People Eater. That's a good one. Number one for six weeks in 1958. The Purple People Eater. I bet you uh, Dwight Lauderdale is excited about hearing that. He's probably kind of like the uh, dark-complected uh, ass-eater. Here's another one. Rex in effect. Rump shaker. Everything seems to be coming back to Rectum. ass now that they've seen it on CNN all morning long. About uh, booting your ass. How do you spell effects? No, no. Rex. Now, do you know how you don't know how to spell this? R W R E C K X dash N dash effect. E-F-F-E-C-T. Rex, in effect. Don't you know that song, Rump Shaker? Sure. But I don't Number know how to spell Number two for three weeks in 1992. And here's just one more. Oh, we should also put on Just One Look by Doris Troy. Got it? Doris Got who? it. I better look that up, though, because I'm not sure about that. Somebody had that on one of the uh, 80 million sheets that we got. And thank goodness, have those slowed down, I hope? Yeah, they stopped. Good. Good. Yeah, Doris Troy, just one look. That's uh, legitimate. And the other one you want to put on it for Monday, The Man in the Raincoat by Priscilla Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T, 1955. Never heard of it, but it was number 16. Priscilla and she was who? born Priscilla, Priscilla Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T, born in on London, Ontario, Canada. So let's put some Canadians on here. How about some uh, Celine Dion? No. no. What's the song, Priscilla Wright? I don't know. I just closed the book. Scratch it out. Don't put that. <laughs> no, nobody knows that song. I never heard of it. I just got all excited because I saw it was somebody. Well, put this on there again. Now it had its chance. We didn't put Disco Duck on any of these lists. Yeah, we did. We did? You're wrong. You'll eat your words in a minute. All right. If you say so. I think I remember writing down this weekend. Yeah. It was on there. Trust me. Like I said, I don't All see it. All ladies would treat me right. Moving my feet to the disco beat. How in the world could I keep my seat? I'm looking for it. I don't see it. We didn't do it. All of a sudden, I begin to change. You know what? What? There's another one for a Monday. Okay. Already done. Disco there. Duck, Rick D's. Oh, man. Here's a story that you're going to love, short and sweet and to the point. It says, wait while I rob this store. Spree suspect used car service, cops say. John A. Muller solved the problem of a getaway vehicle during a week-long robbery spree in Suffolk this month, Suffolk police said. He used a car service. Police arrested Muller, 39, of Central Island Boulevard in Ronkonkoma yesterday afternoon, soon after the robbery of Derry Barn on Route 25 in Lake Grove. The arrest capped a week-long series of robberies, mostly of dairy barns, by Muller, police said. That must be like farm store, huh? I guess. According to police, Muller used a car service to get to and from his robbery targets, and he had the driver wait for him. He would put on a disguise, enter the stores, pretend he had a weapon, and demand cash. He then returned to the waiting car. 
Muller's been charged with nine robberies between June 6th and yesterday, police said. He's to be arraigned today in First District Court in Central Islip, Long Island. Isn't that great? What the hell's wrong with that? Smart. Clever. Yeah, maybe our friends over there at Central Park Limo like to take you on a heist. Why, why not? Sounds like a great idea. Well, let's get to that Castro story if we must. They had a woman on here earlier on CNN. Did you see that? Whose uh, 29-year-old son blew his brains out who was molested by a priest when okay. he was 12? Yes. Did you see the picture? Yes. Good-looking kid. I mean, just, it, it's pathetic. Tears your heart out. Oh, man. He was in and out of mental institutions. He was molested when he was 12 years old. And that's why this whole dog and pony show that's going on right now, it's unacceptable. Like I said yesterday, it's like letting the heads of the five families sit around decide what the, you know, the penalties will be for their crimes, or like letting the uh, Nazis sit around at Nuremberg uh, running the show, interrogating themselves. See, and this again goes back to the U.S., their terror of interfering with religion. So it's a hands-off thing, and you sit back and uh, hope that they're going to do the best, which you know that they're not. They're doing the best they can at covering it up and uh, trying to put on a good show and make it look like they're really very concerned and apologetic, which uh, at this late date, uh, it holds no water with anybody with a brain. It's not going to bring back those people who committed suicide or whose lives have been destroyed. Tragic, pathetic. Just like that market, by the way. But the market's turned really ugly the last two days. Make some of us feel good that we finally got out. I mean, you know, after a long, long, desperate situation. Just not looking too good. Speaking of not looking too good, looks like Jimmy Carter didn't accomplish a lot down there. In fact, that would be a good poll question. Who accomplished the most in Cuba, Jimmy Carter or the Pope? Who took the or, most food and toilet paper? Yeah. Oh, they had that. They had that conference on uh, world starvation again. I don't know where they had it this time. Remember, I told you one year that I was in Rome in my hotel in Le Grand Hotel, which is a very fancy, yeah. schmancy, expensive, and overpriced hotel. Kind of an old dump, by the way. But at any rate, and as we walked through the hallways, there were all these food carts out there in the hall every night. It went on for like, you know, three or four days, this conference on world hunger. And they were like, you could have fed the Chinese army with all the food that they were throwing out because nobody ate it. Because they were all getting room service, all these big shots. In fact, it seems to me that Castro was in town for that thing, but not at my hotel. He was staying in one of the other big shot hotels. Fidel Castro announced a drive to collect signatures in support of a constitutional amendment that would declare his 41-year-old socialist system untouchable. Even Robert Stack is in shock. Untouchable. Opponents say the four-day petition drive is a clear response to a homegrown campaign that's been pushing for a referendum to demand democratic reforms in Cuba, to which he says, No. In a live appearance on state-run TV yesterday, Castro said over 120,000 petition stations will be set up around the island, more than one for every 100 citizens, for signature-gathering campaigns starting this Saturday, tomorrow. No compatriot will be denied the opportunity... <laughs> oh, he's got away with words, doesn't he? No compatriot will be denied the opportunity to back the amendment, said Castro, who established a socialist system in Cuba two years after he came to power in 1959. And, of course, if they don't participate, well, good luck to them. Opposition activists say the petition drive is the government's response to their own signature campaign for a referendum in which voters would be asked whether they favor civil liberties, including freedom of speech and assembly, the right to own a business, electoral reform, and amnesty for political prisoners. It's sad that the government keeps feeding the image of popular support, veteran human rights activist Elizardo Sanchez said of Castro's announcement. Castro has said nothing publicly about the opposition campaign, which is called the Varela Project. I must be named after Ileana Varela. Must be. Ileana Vanilla. Its backers collected more than 10,000 signatures the Constitution says are needed to propose a referendum and submitted them to the National Assembly last month, but have received no formal response. Communist officials have accused the Varela Project organizers of being on the U.S. government payroll, something the activists deny. 
Cuban authorities also have said that there are legal and technical problems with the referendum proposal, giving it little hope for success, which is the understatement of all time. Castro emphasized that the petition campaign will be organized by organizations representing women, university students, workers, and other groups. It will not be a state activity, he insisted. Anybody believe him? No. After citizens weigh in, there will be a debate, and the National Assembly will have the final word, he said. All changes to Cuba's 1976 constitution must be passed by the National Assembly, the unicameral parliament that's loyal to Castro. Castro, who turned 76 in August, has repeatedly insisted Cuba will remain socialist after he's gone and dead. His designated successor is his brother, Defense Minister Raul, who turned 71 this month. Sanchez, one of the most prominent opponents of Castro's government, said he hopes Project Varela receives equal treatment when the National Assembly considers it. A government's ability to mobilize large numbers of people is not necessarily proof that those people support it, he said. Castro's announcement came a day after he called out millions of people, and they dutifully did, of course, to march in communities around the nation of 11 million in support of the proposal declaring that the system cannot be changed. The government said 1.2 million people marched in Havana alone, and the estimates they were saying on CNN yesterday, 7 million people came out in march because, basically, he made them an offer they couldn't refuse. The marches were also meant to protest a speech Bush made last month in which he pledged not to ease U.S. trade or travel restrictions until Cuba holds free, competitive elections, and embraces other democratic reforms. Most Cubans first heard of the Varela Project in mid-May when Jimmy Carter mentioned it in an uncensored televised address during a visit to the island. Carter suggested that the reform plan be published in the state media, but that didn't happen, and all the changes Carter talked about, that ain't going to happen either, so he and the Pope, they could have saved the plane fare. They could have saved the time and the energy. And believe me, the Pope can't afford to waste any energy from the way he's looking. Oh, by the way, guess where Rutger Hauer's from? Uh, Germany? He's Dutch. He's from Nederlands. Oh. I, I just mentioned that as a little piece of trivia. I read that uh, in my movie book yesterday. I like I was, read, I was reading about the movie The Hitcher with C. Thomas Howell. Right. And see his girlfriend nearly got, uh, I guess they, they, she was like being torn between the two of them, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. Torn between two lovers. Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. That was a great movie, The Hitcher. It was just good. Let me say it again. It was a great movie. All right, it was great. It was no uh, cinema paradiso. <laughs> what, what are you laughing about? Just a little kid peeing out the gargoyle. That, that was a good movie. I mean, it was very, it was a tearjerker. It was very like emotional, and uh, but it was it was pretty good. It had its moments. Which of these one-hit wonders? This is our fourth day of this stuff, and boy, it's going over bigger than goddamn the six million dollar man and those sandwiches too. Iron Butterfly in Agata DeVita, 28. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Relax, 19. Big Country in a Big Country. I don't I have no idea what that song is. Do you? Yeah. It was big. Oh. Well, it's got 15. I just don't know it. If I heard it, I'd probably know it. Benny Mardonis, Into the Night. He's doing pretty well, considering the song was number one two different times. 13 votes. Twisted Sister, We're Not Gonna Take It, Be Having 10. Van McCoy and the Hustle's got nine. And then it's Billy Ray Cyrus. Oh. You know, I'm not saying that there aren't good country songs. Because over the years, I mean, Johnny Cash has had some right. good songs. Marty Robbins, A White Sport Coat and a Pink Carnation, that was great. Uh, Bob Lumen, Let's Think About Living, which you still don't know about that song. That was, that was corny, but it was okay. 1056 at 560 WQA. And boy, we got a lot of crap here today. I'll get, I'll get to all of it. Can I get to all of my crap? Uh huh. See, that's why it's good that we put the thing together the day before the show. Get it up there on the get it up there on the website. Give everybody a chance to peruse it and abuse it and have fun with it, as opposed to you know like uh, wasting all the listeners' time because they get upset about that and then they start bellyaching. Oh, he's spending too much time on this every day. This way, if we just stick it on there, uh, you know, stick it. Here's a place you ought to stick your nose in the door and then go in there and have a feast. The Emerald Coast, the number one Chinese buffet in the universe. I, I was thinking about this earlier. 
because I'm getting hungry again. Why is it I sit here during the show and think about lunch every day? Why is that? Because it's lunchtime during the show? Well, because I'm an eating fool, I guess. But anyway, Emerald Coast is a place, not only has it got a, like a ton of food, a sea of food, but all of it is good. In other words, you can go into buffets and there's a whole bunch of stuff sitting around, and you look around and, uh, you know, then you put like a couple of peas on your plate because there's nothing that really looks great. It looks great and it tastes great and there's no MSG and no crap in the food either at the Emerald Coast with three locations for you. Sunrise, North Miami Beach, and now open in prestigious Pembroke Pines. Start out with six different kinds of soups. You can taste a little bit of this one, a little bit of that, or all of them if you like. And dozens and dozens of mouth-watering entrees. Most of them, of course, are Oriental Delights, but all kinds of other goodies too. Salads. Emerald Coast has now got surf and turf on the weekends with Alaskan King Crab and New York Strip Steak made order in the Gourmet Center. A sizzling Asian grill with teriyaki steak, shrimp, chicken, seafood, hand-carved prime rib. To your order, by the way. The Emerald Coast Buffet's also got a full salad bar, sushi and fresh shrimp cocktail. Please leave room for the dessert bar if you possibly can, because there's tons of good stuff there. Pies and cakes, pastries, ice cream with all your favorite toppings, and they even have like a low-calorie uh, ice cream as well. Low-sugar-free uh, and fresh fruit, too. Even watermelon. It's a perfect ending to an amazing meal. Like I said, three locations for you. You'll find them in Sunrise, Pine Island at 44th Street. They're on Collins Avenue, just north of 163rd North Miami Beach. And also you'll find them at the intersection of Flamingo and Pembroke Road in Pembroke Pines. Emerald Coast, they accept reservations, takeout, and delivery available as well. If you want a feast of really delicious, fresh, great stuff, this is the place for you. For more information, call Emerald Coast at 954-572-3822. 954-572-3822. And don't forget, now surf and turf on the weekends. Dodge. The Joe and Mark Show. Overnights on Sports Radio 560. QAM. It's Friday, you bastards. Mark Cohen's got five votes. Let's hear it. Alright. Put on my five on ones and I'm headed for the street. Just checked out the best of Hustler and I'm Starting to feel the heat Suddenly I see people Checking out my buttonfly scene Yeah, I got a first class riser It done pitched the tent in my jeans Now I'm sporting a woody I'm finding it impossible to conceal I'm sporting a woody Feel like an axle without a wheel I saw the ghost of Elvis He was sporting one too Followed him up to the gates of Graceland Just to see what he would do His ghostly face was beaming As he headed for his room there's a pretty little ghost She's waiting for his post Down in the jungle room We're spawning what isn't manifest It's nearly impossible To conceal Spawning what isn't manifest I feel like an axle Without a wheel Spawning what isn't manifest It's almost impossible To conceal Spawning what Yeah, i got to confess, I actually like the uh, purity better than the original song by a long shot. Yeah. But, nevertheless. It's not doing all that great. He's got five votes. Walking to Memphis. Mark Cohen. C-O-H-N. Don't get carried away. It's not with the E in there. Like Roy Cohen. He didn't have an E in there either, although he was Jewish and obnoxious and a disgusting fag. 
Probably one of her Robert's heroes, Roy Cohn. Just a joke, Robert. Don't get uptight, by the way. And speaking of uh, Robert, Igor Lirianov really pisses me off. You know, he played so great in this series. All of a sudden, uh, a guy that he wouldn't even break out into a sweat with the Panthers, and he goes back to Detroit where he's playing with all these great players, and at the age of 41, all of a sudden he gets like a second youth. I can't stand guys like that. Well, he's an asshole down here, too. Yeah, a real asshole. Didn't want to do this, didn't want to do that, didn't want to play the system. I mean, he was a real schmuck, Igor Lirianov. I say send him to Siberia. It was very emotional seeing Constantine out there holding up the cup last night, who has made tremendous progress since that horrendous accident where he got paralyzed in a whole deal of the limo accident with the drunken driver. Held up the cup last night. He could actually like almost stand up, and he's like, uh, you know, he's making it uh, slow and painful, but uh, that was pretty emotional to see. In fact, I usually am not all wrapped up in the post, uh, you know, uh, final game uh, ceremonies, all that crap, but that was, it was pretty uh, enjoyable there last night. It was uh, it was okay, and seeing Scotty Bowman flopping down on the ice, he, he went in and put on his skates as soon as the game ended and came out there and was skating around with the cup. Scotty Bowman, nine Stanley Cups, he retires. Anybody talking about that on our sports shows? No. No. Mad Dog will because he picked the Red Wings, which was really going out there on a limb. Oh, that's right, he's not on today. What a bad break. The Mad Dog is not working today who picked the Wings to win the cup. Hundreds flocked to Gotti Wake. John Gotti was given a send-off befitting a mob chieftain yesterday as scores of mourners packed a Masspeth funeral chapel to say goodbye. Ever hear that before, Masspeth? No. I have no idea where that is. Somewhere in New York, of course, but I don't know where that is. Gotti, the one-time boss of the Gambino organized crime family, died of cancer Monday, as we all know by now, in a federal prison hospital at the age of 61. But visitors standing among dozens of giant reeds yesterday were told he wasn't really dead. Do not stand in my grave and weep. I'm not there. I do not sleep, said prayer cards given to those attending a private wake at Papa Vero Funeral Home. Do not stand in my grave and cry. I'm not there. I did not die. But Gotti, wearing a solid blue suit and a matching tie he hadn't worn since going to prison for life in 1992, was laid out in a closed gold coffin flanked by a pair of candles flickering behind red glass. Maybe he's like Elvis. Maybe he's still alive. Although I think he is like Elvis. Mourners filled rows of chairs as others filed through the chapel. On a table near the coffin stood a collection of family pictures. On a glass coffee table was a framed photograph of a tanned, smiling Gotti. He went out like a star and king like he was in real life, said Louis Kassman, a family friend who refers to himself as Gotti's adopted son. I'm telling you, boy, they like the mobsters in New York. Apparently. Every article in every New York paper since this man croaked has been uh, glowing and blowing and sucking, and uh, they like him. And yes, so he had a few people killed, and he uh, was a scumbag in some ways, but he never stole a freight train. Just like the same way Meyer Lansky was so well-liked uh, when he was in Hallandale and on Miami Beach. He used to walk his little dog. He was very nice to the old ladies. He was polite. After the first viewing, a Gotti brother, Richard V. Gotti, 59, a reputed crime captain, a capo, left the funeral home with a group of men in dark suits <laughs> and strolled to a nearby sports bar, Matchmakers, for a drink. They probably had a quick drink on their way to Louis in the Bronx. Probably had a hat like that one you were wearing the last week. A fedora? When approached by photographers, he said, you already got enough pictures of me. Surprised he didn't take the camera out of his hand like Sonny and smash it on the ground and throw him a few 20s. Gotti's widow and daughter, both named Victoria, did not leave the funeral home between afternoon and evening viewings. Before the 7 p.m. viewing, pizza was brought in for the family. Isn't that nice? A little stereotypical. Why is that? Pizza. I, I wonder if it was like the thin, like real Italian pizza, or if it was like that, uh, you know, thicker. Uh... I'm sure it was Sicilian. Inside were numerous tr uh, tributes to Gotti. You know, Sicilian's got no sauce. You do know that, don't you? I do now. Or has it got no sauce or no cheese? See, I get confused. I think it's got no cheese. It just got sauce and oregano. No cheese. 
Inside were numerous tributes to Gotti. To the chief read a card on a wreath of red and white carnations. Another bore the name of Gotti's old hangout in Ozone Park, the Bergen Hunt and Fish Club. John, we love you, read another card. You will always stay in our hearts. The wake is to continue today at the funeral home on Grand Avenue, a small brick and stucco building just opposite the Garlinger Triangle, a memorial for Massbeth residents killed in World War I. Burial is scheduled for tomorrow morning. Although the wake was open to the public, reporters were barred from the funeral home and had to watch from behind police barricades. The Diocese of Brooklyn has ruled that Gotti cannot be given a Roman Catholic mass, funeral mass, but may be interred at St. John Cemetery in Middle Village. A memorial mass will be held after the burial. Gotti is to be interred at the family mausoleum with his son Frank Gotti, who was killed by, well, we know that. Richard Reebok, an attorney who's often represented Gotti family members, and we sure like his shoes, said Gotti's son, John A. Gotti, will not be attending the services because the son is serving a six-year federal prison sentence for bribery and extortion and did not seek permission for a leave. He's asking for no favors from the government at all, Reebok said. He will grieve in his own way. Also missing in the proceedings are two other Gotti brothers, Gene, who's serving a 50-year prison term for heroin dealing, and Peter, who's being held without bail on federal racketeering charges. Among those paying respects yesterday was Chuck Zito, the former Hells Angel who spent six years in prison before turning actor. The star of the HBO prison show Oz was later joined by Gotti's longtime attorney, Bruce Cutler. Also attending the wake was Liz Roby, 25, who moved to Manhattan last week from Nashville, where she was also a first-grade teacher. Since coming here, she said she's attended an opera in Central Park, participated in the five-kilometer walk along the Hudson River, and toured the U.N. She decided to attend the wake because she likes random life experiences. <laughs> and, of course, that's one of the things that Gotti was famous for, for, like, uh, having random life experiences when some people least expected them. You know what I mean? I, don't I mean, sometimes it. it was their last random life experience. But, nevertheless, he never stole a freight train, and we like mobsters on this show. We like the mob. And that story I had the other day about how they, they want to recruit new members, we want to know how do we get in. Especially me, because at my age, I'm not going to worry, be worried about being around long enough to run out. So how do we get in? I think you got to cut your pinky off. I see. Pinky, that's with a P? Yeah. How's that pull coming, by the way? It's uh, just just refreshed. Iron Butterfly and Agata DeVita 31. That's pretty long, too. Isn't that about five minutes? It's an entire album side. It's like 15 minutes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, there's the one, the, the extended cut that the goes on for like about crapper. seven hours. Like if you have Wild Wicked Diarrhea, that's even better than MacArthur Park. Frankie Goes to Hollywood by um, Relax 21. The other way around. Or the other way around. I, I know. Big Country in a Big Country. Now, see, that one, I, Big Country is the group, and In a Big Country is the name of the song. Right. 17, and, and the elite singer is still dead. What was his name? Uh, Big. Wilson? Yes. <laughs> Hello, Big? Well, he was a good guy, you know what? What was that, the New York Steakhouse? And Marty Sussman's also dead. Boy, there's a lot of dead people around, you know what? Marty Sussman, New York Steakhouse. I bet you Hank knew him. And Big Wilson. Well, that's right, he worked with Big Wilson in IOD. You know, the first time, I was thinking about this yesterday. The first time I met Hank, I was I was working at KAT. This is really, no, I wasn't working at KAT yet. I was doing like weekends on IOD. Bill Calder got me in at IOD after I left Palm Beach. And Larry King invited me to be on the show. We were talking about uh, gambling and paramutuals. And uh, Phil Saltzman was on that show. That's the first time I ever met Phil. And Hank was there. And a guy named Sig Shy, who was another degenerate gambler, and that's the first time I met Hank. That's in 1975 or 6. Late 75, early 76. What am I looking for? In a big country, pop group from Dunfermline, uh, oh, I can't say it. Dunfermline, Scotland. Stuart Adamson, vocals and guitar. Bruce Watson, guitar. Tony Butler, bass. And Mark Brzezinski, drums. Doesn't say anything about them being dead here. The guy that faxed me book. the thing. Huh? 
That's an old book, isn't it? No, it's like from a year ago or so. Well, that's true. He could be dead now. It's, it's That wasn't made yesterday, so he could have died like in the last week or two. It doesn't say anything in my book about being dead. And there's the names. And they're all Scottish anyway. So they probably wore a bunch of kilts and were silly guys. But it's a very popular song. <laughs> doesn't say nothing about no dead guy in there. See, I mean, we've got a lot of great faxes on this, but a lot of misinformation, too. Brother, a lot of wrong stuff. Twelve minutes past eleven at 560 WQM. If you're thinking of painting your home or business, don't do it. Don't paint. Protect your investment with liquid ceramic. Liquid ceramic, the technology born in NASA's space program, is available right now as I speak in South Florida. Liquid ceramic is the most advanced exterior, interior, and roof coating available in the world. Now you, too, can have the same high-tech, outstanding ceramic technology that shields the space shuttle, protecting your home or building or both, and you'll never, ever have to paint again. It sounds too good to be true, but it is true. Liquid ceramic is guaranteed for as long as you own your home or building. So forget about repainting every few years. Liquid ceramic won't fade. It won't peel. In fact, it's so good, it's guaranteed. This state-of-the-art coating yields you an R24 insulation equivalency that helps bring those electric bills down, too. Liquid Ceramics available in over 1,800 different colors, so don't worry about matching the color of your building. Check out Liquid Ceramic today. Call 305-347-5122. Liquid Ceramics been manufactured and sold for over 40 years, and the exciting news is that now it's available in South Florida. Call 305-347-5122. That's 305-347-5122. Be sure and tell them Neil told you to call, or visit them on the net if you like at Liquid on the Tampa Bay Devil Rays tonight. Coverage gets away at 6.30 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. Happy Purim! Since the cameras left the Osbournes' Beverly Hills estate, we're wondering... What's Ozzy doing now? Yeah, how yeah, he's doing? I'm looking for a 75 hey, well, 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 Welcome to Home Depot. Uh, uh, yeah, I like my orange vest. Yeah, it's a very lovely vest, but listen, I need yeah, a... Well, 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 welcome to Home Depot. What can I do for you? Well, I need a 75-watt bulb for a spot I got in my... I don't, uh, I don't sell lights. What do you mean you don't sell lights? It's oh, Home Depot. I'm the Prince of Darkness. I like to work in the dark. What, 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 what do you think I am? Crazy? Look, I need a 75-watt bulb I don't bulb care what for... you need. What about what I need? Everybody's always about what they need. What about what Ozzy needs? Well, you're working here, aren't you? I work here at Home Depot, It's yes. a job, right? I'll sell you a light. I'm the Prince of Darkness. I'll get out. All right. Get, 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 get away from me. Fine. Where are you? Get the hell away from me. Sharon! Oh, Bernie Torme from Ozzy Osbourne and Gillen was on at uh, the Boys Are Back tribute. Yes. I just mentioned that in passing. It's 1117 at 560 WQM. Here's a fax from Tom who asks... Why is the U.S. press mum on the fact that Bush's chosen leader of Afghanistan, Hamid Karzai, worked for Unical? Tom, shh. 1117 at 560 WQM. Don't forget to log on to WQM.com and start playing the Toyota Baseball Trivia Challenge. Weekly prizes include golfer for at Chula's. The grand prize is a trip for two to New York over Labor Day weekend to see the Marlins and the Mets. So log on and start playing with it on WQAM.com. Remember you were talking about this song the other day? Yes, we were. And here it is, the Exciters. All right. Tell them. We didn't put that on there yet, did we? I don't remember writing it. Okay, well, don't worry about it yet. Oh, and another one, which I'm sure we didn't put on there yet, and we will. How'd you like that nifty pass that Larry Anoff made through a holstrom there for that one? Oh, brother. All he had to do was, like, flick it. He flicked it. Like a booger? For Archer's Urbay. And by the way, uh, I'd like to suggest, now, Bill McCray was the one referee. Do you remember who the other referee was last night, uh, Robert? 
Uh, no, I do not. But we ought to get their eyes checked because the uh, Carolina goal, the only one they scored to break Hashik's uh, shutout streak, it, all it did, I mean, I know it was very fast, but all it did was like go right in the middle of the back of the net and then come right out. And what the hell was Andy Van Halleman looking at for like about five minutes while they were, I mean, the CBC showed very clearly that I'm sure ESPN had the same replays, that it was like in and out. It was the old in and out. God. Now, is this on today? It's on today. It's on today. There you go. There's one today you can vote for. I better cross that out. Mermaids, popsicles, and icicles. Elegance, little star, be having six votes. This must have some votes, huh? These are a part of a Like I said, it has no votes. No votes. Yeah. No votes. In fact, look at all of them. Charlie Sexton, Beat So Lonely, Mermaids, Popsicles and Icicles, Claudine Clark, I See the Party Lights, has no votes. Do we have like a bunch of communists listening to this? Kay Winding and more, which used to be my theme song way, way back in Batavia, New York, has got no votes. In fact, I think that was also my theme song in the WS News at one time. Uh, Raindrops, The Kind of Boy You Can't Forget. I don't know that song. Do you know that song? No. The kind of goy you can't forget. Chesney Hawks, the one and only, and Bob Kubin and the Inman, the cheater, has got no votes. Boy. Boy, it's, 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 uh, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. It's disheartening. It's disheartening when you realize that you've got such great taste and so many other people out there, their taste is in their tush. And I know we got a lot of punks out there. Well, a lot of this stuff here is so old. and Well, that's the way it goes. Great music. We're talking of a period of over 50 years, man. If you're going to be like a real music fan, you got to know all kinds of music going back like to the early 50s. Am I right about that or what? Uh, well, I mean, you don't have... Anyway. What? I'm just kidding. Of course you do. You're knocking all 50s way back music? To the 1850s. You're knocking 50s music, huh, mister? It was weak. You're knocking Fats Domino. Oh, I love Fats Domino. There's some and you're knocking like there. Carl Perkins and all that good stuff. And you're knocking like all oh, the doo-wop shop. No, you're right. If you don't watch there's it, I'm going to whip things. out that doo-wop album line just to piss off that uh, PD over there at Magic. <laughs> What's that guy's name? Bob Hamilton or something I like don't... that? Boy, he pisses me off, man. That, that, that could be a good station, but it's not. Even Ricky Tiki knows that, but we don't want to get him in trouble. Speaking of music, Couple Sue's MTV over Corpse Prank. MTV's been slapped with a $10 million lawsuit from a couple who say they were surprised by a fake corpse in their hotel room as part of a hidden camera prank for a reality TV show. James and Lori Ann Ryan of Washington, D.C. also named the Hard Rock Hotel in Vegas in the suit. Boy, there's a lot of beautiful people hanging out there. That's what Joe Costello says. I don't think I've ever been in the Hard Rock uh, Hotel in Vegas. Not me. It's on the corner of Harmon Avenue and uh, Paradise, uh, whatever that is, I think. Go buy it once. Yeah, I've driven by many times. In fact, I've stayed close by there many times in some of those uh, suites places there on the Harmon Avenue. Some of those places are great. See, the advantage of staying, I don't want to get sidetracked with Vegas here, but the advantage of staying in those kind of places is that, first of all, you take your rented car and you park right outside your door, as opposed to, like, walking through 80 miles in a parking garage to figure out where you stayed. See what I'm saying? It's very convenient. Oh, and... You don't have all the 80 million people. Uh, but on the other hand, the only problem is if you want to, if you like, feel like uh, in a mood to like plunge your brains out, you can't just like go downstairs and, and gamble your guts out. You know. The suit originally filed in Los Angeles in April, but gaining public attention this week after it was moved to federal court, said the couple became unwitting participants in a practical joke 
filmed for a series under development of FTV, MTV called Harassment while they were on vacation in January. So I guess Asshole or uh, whatever that show is, Jack that ass. wasn't good enough. No. Jackass Asshole. Now they got harassment coming up. We need to victimize people for entertainment. Upon entering the hotel room, the Ryans discovered what appeared to be a dead human body covered and surrounded by blood. Evidently, the victim of a homicide. As hidden cameras recorded their shock, the suit says. <laughs> As the is this incredible or what? <laughs> They're pussies. Come on, they should. Be As the forced. couple tried to flee, two actors posing as security guards blocked their way, and a third individual in the guise of a paramedic entered the room. This is sick. This is really <laughs> sick. The show's host and co-producer, Ashton Kutcher, who's described the series in interviews as a guerrilla-style candid camera, finally emerged to reveal the prank. The Ryans were not amused. They're seeking $10 million in compensatory damages against MTV, the Hard Rock Hotel, and Kutcher, who's also named in the suit, said their attorney, Daniel Rosansky. Both the cable network, which is owned by Viacom, Inc., and the privately owned hotel, declined to comment on the case for obvious reasons. An MTV spokeswoman said the incident in question was filmed as part of a pilot episode for harassment, which has not aired yet. She said the future status of the program is uncertain. I can't imagine why. Harassment is not the first reality show to land MTV in legal trouble. Two teenage girls sued the network in April 2001 after they were sprayed with human excrement not by, funny. by performers billed as the Shower Rangers during a taping of a program called Dude, This Sucks. MTV... <coughs> MTV apologized for the incident and promised never to wear footage of the incident. That suit remains in litigation. The girl's high-profile L.A. attorney, Gloria Allred, told Reuters. Remember Gloria Allred? Yeah. Another media whore who's on every two minutes, along with that Mark Gallagos with the mustache, which, thank goodness, I don't see him anymore. Thank God. Keep him off my TV. Speaking of MTV, New York Post reports, after 11 seasons, Road Rules is off and running. When it premiered in 1995, it was a spin-off of MTV's other wildly successful reality series, The Real World. The audience often lumped Road Rules as The Real World on Wheels. I, I've never been able to, like, tell them apart, to be honest with you. Road Rules I, is uh, in a Winnebago. Because I think, like most people, if I ever come across those shows, I'm just looking to see if there's anybody who looks good on it, and if not, move on to something else. Well, it was the first last season. There was the first reality show with challenges long before bug eating on Survivor or Fear Factor, says its co-creator John Murray proudly. The location of the show has changed every year, but the angst is still the same. This season, we have Eric, the all-American boy, Daryl, the boxer with a temper, Sarah, the independent wild child, Rachel, the heartbreaker, Kendall, the sad angel, and Shane, the show's first openly gay man. It's a distinction that Shane's parents aren't exactly thrilled over. While Shane is cool with the revelation being made on national TV, his parents are not. It's not that they don't accept him. They're afraid, he says, that homophobic viewers may try to hurt him. Still, Shane says, he didn't sign up to make any social statements. For him, it was all about the journey. I don't think reality TV equals stardom, said the 21-year-old who attends the University of North Carolina wants a career in TV production. In fact, he's working as a waiter. How, how unusual. A gay waiter? What a novelty. He's working as a waiter in Durham, North Carolina this summer to make ends meet, so to speak. He has no grand dreams that Road Rules will be anything more than a nice diversion from his regular life. I watched every season of Real World, every season of Road Rules. He says those shows practically raised me. I know all the participants' names and what they did and who they did, he says. That's the joy of reality TV. Oh, yeah, reality TV. Huh? Don't you love that term, reality TV? I love it. It's a joke. 26 after 11 at 560. Oh, by the way, what's his name? Tom Green's upset because uh, Drew Barrymore's screwing somebody else? That yeah, marriage, well, that marriage lasts about five minutes or something like something that? Something like that. I think that uh, him having both his nuts cut off, I think that might have done it. I don't think anybody actually believed that. No. No, I, I didn't believe it. It was even worse than the uh, J-Lo marriages. 26 past 11 at 560 WQM. Hey, let me tell you about an amazing place, the little old caboose. If you're new to South Florida, you probably never encountered this place yet, but when you do, boy, you're in for a real amazing uh, surprise. 
because Crazy John is still dripping gallons of sweat out of the grill as he pumps out those great little burgers, just like the White Castle burgers used to enjoy up north. They stay with you for like days on time, or once in a while, if you're lucky, they move right on out. Little old caboose burgers have those great grilled onions, pickle, ketchup, and mustard cheese, if you like, and they serve them on those gorgeous steaming little buns. And believe me, there are few things in the world as great as steaming little buns. Little old caboose also, you know who likes steaming little buns? Father O'Toole. That's what I'm hearing. Little old caboose also serves those uh, thick Coney Island cut fries and sabret hot dogs with all kinds of goodies on them. Great chicken fingers, wings, and chicken sandwiches, too. And a tasty fried fish sandwich is always a good uh, diversion and perversion. Little old caboose, you can eat in, drive through, or dine under the stars on the patio. While you're there, watch the help stare at the train going round and round overhead, or maybe just up at the sky looking for help. Little old caboose, lunch and dinner seven days a week, Friday and Saturday, open late till 10, and you'll find them on Powerline Road just south of Hillsborough Boulevard. Tell them that Petey Lenny sent you by for a real culinary delight. I don't care what Mommy says about the meat, guys. How nice, the gift that keeps on sucking. QAM. It's Friday, you bastards. Coming up tonight on Inside the Behind, the true Hollywood celebrity music biography profile story. We take a good, hard, stiff look into stardom. They burst onto the music scene with a song so catchy, it virtually guaranteed their failure. They were the Knack. We caught up with Knack lead vocalist Doug Feger, whose life now consists of explaining who he was to bored strangers at parties. So, I understand you're a musician. Yeah, I was in a band called The Knack. Oh, I, um, I've never heard of you. <laughs> well, I'm sure you've heard this song before. Finding the actual band completely uninteresting, Inside the Behind began the elusive search for the subject of the song. Who was Sharona? Hey, you break it, you bought it! The object of the next lust, Sharona is now 43 and the assistant manager at the Discovery Channel store in the Liberty Dream Mall in Danvers, Massachusetts. Freaking knack! That old Doug had his way with me. And do I see a penny in royalties? I only hope that pig is spending the rest of his life explaining who he was to bore people at parties. Now that would be sweet revenge. Here you go, Sharona. It's the least we could do. It's a big, juicy, sopping wet look at show business tonight on Inside the Behind. Now, let me ask you a stupid question. How come we didn't put that one on there? It was number one for six weeks. They might have had two? Three. Okay. Good Girls Don't Cry was uh, number reached number 11. And Baby Talks Dirty, number 38. I never heard that. I never heard that. Baby Talks Dirty. I bet you don't say ass, though, like they do on CNN every two minutes. That was the big story of the day, that country western uh, guy who's all pissed off and fired up about 9-11 and did that song and was supposed to be on a July 4th celebration on ABC. And Peter Jennings says, oh, no, you can't say, uh, uh, what do you say, kick, kick, uh, boot, uh, stick it up your ass or something like that. That's what he said. Kick it up your ass. Yeah, something like that. And Peter Jennings said, oh, no, we can't do that on ABC. And so they uh, kicked his ass out. And he's pissed off and fired up about it. And CNN is uh, using the occasion as an excuse just to say ass all the time over and over again. Pathetic. So we can't, uh, I, it's not a bad song. I saw that on a CD that I almost bought the other day, but there was nothing else good on it. And I would certainly not buy a CD just because my Sharona was on there. I don't, I don't think so. For goodness sake, I got the hippie, hippie shades. Now, this was an album. Yeah, I got the shades. 
Swinging blue jeans, hippie hippie shake. That's not bad. Trade winds. New York's a lonely town. And, of course, you keep singing like that, it'll be a lot lonelier. Not not too good. I think Iron Butterfly is guaranteed. Don't you think it's a lot? Yes. It's my personal opinion. I could be wrong. I don't think so. 11.34.26 to noon at 5.60 WQM. It looked like something from a sci-fi flick, a mysterious silver orb, three feet in diameter, floating in off, on the surf off the South Carolina coast. This from ABC News, where Peter Jennings continues being an asshole, a prissy goody two-shoes holier-than-thou asshole. They thought it was a giant beach ball they were going to bring in, said Marie Signieri, whose family found the orb floating near their rented beach house at the Isle of Palms. They swam out and said it was a very heavy ball. It was metal, had numbers on it, and there was no way they were bringing it in. It had numbers on it. Maybe so we know it wasn't Rover, and I don't think Rover wasn't made out of metal anyway. I saw The Prisoner again. That's on one of these 80 million channels I got. Prisoner's on there all the time. The one where he went off in the boat, he thought that they were escaping. Yeah. And then come to right. find out that... the People from the inside run a boat with him and turned on him, and then they unleashed Rover at him, and Rover, like I said, him right back. Anyway, this ball eventually washed up on the shore, causing alarmed residents to call the police. Authorities marked off an area around the orb with crime scene tape and tried to identify it. They turned to members of the Air Force bomb squad, the Coast Guard, and state officials for help, but nobody could identify the strange object. There were numbers on the surface of the orb, but no other clues that helped determine its origin. NASA and the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration were contacted. Even they had no answers. Because of its weight, several hundred pounds... See, they describe it as a ball. I mean, there's no ball that's like several hundred pounds. Because of its weight, there's speculation it might be a flotation device used by a dredge company, but the theory only adds to the mystery. The orb's got no fasteners on it where a line or a cable might have been attached. We're calling it a UFO, an unidentified floating object, Isle of Palms Fire Chief Ann Graham told the AP. According to the Associated Press, the orb cracked in half as it was being brought to the town's public works department, but the inside was as revealing as the outside. Only seawater spilled out. In other words, all the little green men got out of there, I guess, alive. Right. Didn't you always wonder where those people in South Carolina came from? <laughs> there was nothing green, nothing glowing, Graham told the news agency. We'll probably just go to the scrapyard. It was just a big old ball with a number on it. I guess. Speaking of that, for the first time, Astronomers have found a distant planetary system with at least one planet whose orbit resembles a member of our solar system. You see, the only reason that we're not talking more about life, because it's all a matter of time and space and this whole other, you know, that's what it's all about. Right. Because there was no question that there's been life on a lot of the planets. No question. No Maybe question. some uh, like man, some more advanced, some uh, more primitive, whatever. Because, uh, But, of course, we're talking maybe millions or billions of years apart. That's all. Right. It's not complicated. Jeffrey Marcy of the University of California, Berkeley, and Paul Butler of the Carnegie Institute of Washington said yesterday they have found a planet about five times the size of Jupiter, and Jupiter is pretty goddamn big, circling a sun-like star <coughs> at an orbital, uh, orbital distance very like that of the solar system's biggest planet. The newly discovered planet is one of three planets circling a star called 55 Cancri that's about 51 light-years away from Earth. Oh, we should be there by 1 o'clock. Oh, this yeah. is the first time we found a family of planets that has some similarities to our own solar system, Marcy said yesterday at a news conference. The new planet circles 55 can create a distance of 5.5 astronomical units close to the 5.2 AU orbit of Jupiter. And AU is the distance between the Earth and the Sun, about 93 million miles. 
The two other planets around 55 Cancri are also Jupiter or Saturn-sized bodies, but they orbit much closer to the apparent star, kind of like Josh Friedman, like Saturn-sized body. One is in an orbit of about 9 million miles. The other is about 23 million miles. Marcy and Butler also announced they'd found 13 other planets orbiting distant stars, bringing to 91 the total number known of extrasolar planets. How little we know. And, of course, this all flies in the face of all the religionists, too, because it flushes all of that crap right down the toilet. You know it? Don't forget what it says there. He made the stars also. Yeah. Kind of like an afterthought. Well, it was pretty barren up there. Which certainly shows me that the people who wrote that crap, and of course it's supposed to be direct from God, they really had some great wisdom, man, some great insight. Just a decade ago, the concept of other stars having planets was in the realm of science fiction, noted Ann Kinney, director of NASA's astronomy division. The Marcy Butler team has found most of the 91 extrasolar planets. The group uses a technique that measures the very slight wobble of a central star and then uses the magnitude of this motion to determine the presence of orbiting planets, the size and shape of their orbits, and their mass. The technique works only for larger planets and can't detect those much smaller than those about half the mass of Saturn. Marcy and Butler said they had a hint years ago that 55 Cancri had a large planet in a Jupiter-like orbit, but to confirm the conclusion required measurements for at least one complete orbit of the planet. The new planet takes about 13 years to circle its star, close to the 11.86 years it takes Jupiter to orbit the sun. All other extrasolar planets discovered up to now orbit closer to the parent star, and most of them have elongated eccentric, or eccentric orbits, uh, said Mar Marcy. This new planet orbits as far from its star as our own Jupiter orbits the sun. There you go. Lots of planets, lots of solar systems, lots of life, and they aren't like little green men from Mars. Although they could be. How do we know? Maybe they're like not green. Maybe they're like, uh, I don't know. Maybe they're Schwarzers. How the hell do we know what they are? We're stupid. That's the problem. We don't know much. But we like making up a lot of good stuff because it makes for good science fiction writing. I have the Ray Bradbury Theater on my um, one of my channels on there. I think it's on that screen TV. Yeah. I didn't like that show. Oh, I don't like it either. I just mentioned that in passing. 20 till noon at 560 WQM. Father's Day this Sunday. Happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. Make Dad feel special by getting him a comfortable new pair of athletic shoes from our good friends at New Balance Stores, which I have sitting on the floor in the other room right now, just waiting to put them on and hop out the door to lunch. You'll find the New Balance locations in Pinecrest, Aventure, and Boca Raton, where they got fantastic, unbeatable prices for the whole family on the world's best athletic shoes. And this weekend, Father's Day weekend, here's your last chance. Right now through Sunday, buy any New Balance shoe and get you a free cushion support insole, a $30 value on our Father's Day. And, of course, those New Balance shoes that I've got, if you're going to be doing any kind of walking around, you've got to have shoes that give your feet some support because your feet are one of the most important, I'd say, the second most important part of your body, right after your brain. And, of course, at New Balance, they still measure it the old-fashioned way, the length and width, to make sure they get you a perfect fit each and every time. New Balance stores, three great locations for you. They're in Miami's Pinecrest. They're on the second floor of the Aventura Mall and also in the Boca Town Center. Or check them out on their website if you prefer at NewBalanceMiami.com. Tell them that Neil Rogers sent you by to New Balance. And don't forget, through Father's Day this Sunday, you get a free cushion support insole with any pair of shoes you buy. But the offer expires, like I said. Oh, my God, your breasts are beautiful. It's the new book that's shocking the country. After 20 years, Shaggy of Scooby-Doo speaks out, disclosing the behind-the-scenes antics that could bring down the whole cartoon industry. Like I tell you, like we weren't just solving mysteries in that mystery van, right, Scoob? Like we used to have a bumper sticker on the back that said, when this van's a-rockin', don't come a-knockin'. <laughs> like I gotta tell you, Velma and Daphne, 
Lesbian City, Carpet Munchers, Belly Rubbin', yep, I know it's hard to believe, Scrappy-Doo, like the only reason like he got his job, he was pimping for Daphne, like how about Fred, like how many guys do you know that wear a yellow scarf, like that's right, Scooby and I used to sit in the front of the mystery van and like do bong hits and like watch Velma and Daphne get it on, like why do you think we ate so much, (laughs) it's the new book, Scrooby Dooby Doo. Like we would have got away with it had it not been for those damn kids. On bookshelves across the country everywhere. <laughs> See, I got this fax here, and I don't know which uh, Scooby Doo Biddy was talking about. The uh, Scooby Doo techno mix that I played before, that's much longer than that. Yeah. I'm not going to play that again. So I okay. played that one. It says, Neil, please let us know if it's possible to play that Scooby Doo cart before we sent off today. Our daughter would love to hear it. I think Bart's daughter is like, what, 35? So I hope she enjoyed it. P.S. Monster Mash, Bobby Boris Pickett. Didn't we already have that on there? I don't think we put that on yet. Uh, we're not putting that on there anyway. I mean, uh, does that deserve to be on any list? No. No. I mean, Novelty Records is one thing. Purple People Eater, that was number one for a long time. But Monster Mash, Bobby Boris Pickett, although it may have already been on there, I think. Today's one-hit wonder pool. This is our fourth in a series until we find a goddamn uh, top 20 or whatever it's going to be of all time. Iron Butterfly and Agata DeVita. 38 votes. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Relax, 23. Big Country, In a Big Country, 21. Benny Mardones, Into the Night, 16. Twisted Sister, We're Not Going to Take It, 16. Van McCoy, Do the Hustle, 13. Kicks, Don't Close Your Eyes, 12. Billy Ray Thyreth, Achy Breaky Heart, 12. And the only other one in double figures, Sir Mix-a-Lot and Baby Got Got Back. back. I want to keep saying Baby Get Back, not the same song. Sorry. It's a generational thing with an old fart like me. 11.47 at 5.60 WQAM. Families and surviving victims of the 1998 American Embassy bombings in Nairobi and Kenya should get first crack at the frozen assets of those believed to have carried out or financed the crime they contend in a lawsuit filed this week. Some 102 people, 66 of them surviving victims, sued Osama Yamama bin Laden, his lieutenants, several Islamic organizations, and the governments of Iran, Iraq, Afghanistan, and Sudan for $100 million in damages. The U.S. and its allies froze the assets of many of the defendants after 9-11 attacks in New York and Washington. Now that we know where the terrorist funds are located, we feel that it's only fair that the people killed or injured by the attacks have first crack at the frozen terrorists' funds, said Bill Wheeler, one of the lawyers for those who filed the suit. He and other lawyers since said the 9-11 attacks have somewhat overshadowed the August 7, 1998 embassy bombings, which took place 10 minutes apart and killed 231 people, including 12 Americans. This suit is about trying to rebuild the lives affected by the first wave of, t- of attacks on American soil, said another lawyer, John Eves, Jr., in relation to Joe Marsh, Jr. The government had had its uh, military response, but we want a jury of the people to get the message out that we will not tolerate terrorism, Eves added. The suit filed uh, in U.S. District Court in Washington alleges that bin Laden directed the attacks, which were financed by a host of Islamic organizations and foreign governments, among the 164 other defendants. 164. Hey, let's read them all. No, just uh, the most important ones. Mohammed Atef, a senior bin Laden lieutenant believed to have been killed in U.S. bombings in November. Ayman al-Zawari, who's another senior bin Laden, who, by the way, we still haven't found. His family was killed in the bombings, but we still have got no idea where he is. Mullah Omar, the founder of the Taliban in Afghanistan, whose whereabouts again are unknown, who slipped through our fingers numerous times over there, and a bunch of other uh, goyim. Speaking of all that, more depressing news. I hate to do this to you going into the weekend, but lack security lets terrorists travel. Oy. Authorities who raided this weedy jumble in Slovakia of refugee dormitories are haunted by what they didn't find, 30 shadowy men 
They fear may have been terrorists posing as asylum seekers. This is the Adamov refugee camp in Slovakia. The suspects vanished among the cornfields and oak forests that stretched to the Austrian border a few miles away. Now officials are trying to determine if terrorists are masquerading as refugees to get to the west. We had information that members of al-Qaeda and the Taliban were trying to infiltrate these refugee groups, said Yaroslav Spisiak, no relation to Yaroslav Spacek, one of Slovakia's top police commanders, told the AP. Acting on an Interpol report by uh, relayed by Bulgaria where they 30 entered Europe, Slovak anti-terrorist commandos raided Adamov on March 12th. By the time the special forces burst into the camp, five, day, five days after the group's arrival, the suspects were gone. Germany's equivalent of the FBI, the Federal Criminal Office, said it was checking into whether some of them might have slipped into Germany. Security is lax at refugee processing centers like Adamov because the Geneva Convention forbids governments from treating asylum seekers like criminals. As a result, there's little to deter a terrorist, no guards with machine guns, no surveillance cameras, no high walls, no razor wire. Neither Spisiak nor Interpol would elaborate on why they thought the 30 could be terrorists. Officials said they had conflicting accounts of whether the men were Afghans or Arabs, but they were traveling in a group that had paid about $2,000 each to gain transit from Bulgaria to Slovakia, more than twice the going rate. Interpol would not confirm a report in the Frankfurter Allgemeine Zeitung newspaper, citing European intelligence that the men allegedly intended to rent apartments in high-rise buildings in Germany and elsewhere and place bombs inside. The Slovaks later captured one suspect released for lack of evidence and was taken to another refugee camp. Within days, he disappeared again, just as most Afghan refugees been on reaching Western Europe eventually do. Since the collapse of communism, hundreds of thousands of people have used Eastern Europe as a transit route, including Islamic men who came mostly from the Middle East to fight on the Muslim side in the Bosnian War. Governments have been unwilling to tighten security of refugee camps for fear of violating the human rights of genuine asylum seekers desperately fleeing persecution. It goes to show you we're really taking this crisis seriously all over the world, aren't we? I'm not. Last year, more than 8,100 people, most of them Afghans, applied for asylum in Slovakia alone. Most came via Ukraine, Bulgaria, and Hungary. We can't turn refugee camps into prisons, Sir Bernard Purcell, director of Slovakia's Migration Office. That would be the worst sort of human rights abuse. We can't assume that everyone fleeing Afghanistan is a member of al-Qaeda or the Taliban. Although allowing themselves to be photographed and fingerprinted as asylum seekers would be risky, it also could buy terrorists time and an air of legitimacy that might get local authorities to lower their guard. If it's possible to detain an al-Qaeda member at Chicago's airport, it's possible here, said Vladimir Belokabin, another migration official. That's why we need to start paying attention. In Bulgaria, officials screen asylum applicants for possible terrorists. Although none have been spotted so far, we can never be 100% sure there are no terrorists among the immigrants, said Daniela uh, Velveeta of the Government Refugee Agency. That's not her name, but I like that. You know, probably kin to Tom Velveeta. Remember those glorious days in Tampa, boys and girls? No. On WSUN, Tom Velveeta and poor little Kurt. Oh. And Susie Short Skirts, <clears throat> those were ugly days, man. Those were nasty, ugly days. And that's not even including our good, close, personal friend, Blabo, who uh -huh. stabbed us stabbed us viciously in the back every chance he could. Yeah. Here's a man that I, I helped get out of the cornfields of Iowa, helped him get back into business on that make-believe station over there. I remember that there. radio, uh, that phone call on the air. He was on the sitting air? on his couch. You called him during the show, or we call, or something. No. And he was unemployed. That was before it all happened. I called him on the air? Or he called us, but he was in Davenport, Iowa, unemployed. Huh. Well, no, because I, I, I made a, an additional call from home to him, because, uh, yeah, that's right. Well, I didn't want to divulge so much information. Yeah. And, of course, I didn't have, like, a hell of a lot of time uh, to set that thing up, because, as you'll recall, boy, Gary calls me in on a Friday and says, oh, Monday morning, uh, we're going to be simulcasting your show on WSUN in Tampa. 
They didn't want to tell me too far ahead of time because you know me with the big mouth. I might have blurted it out, which was the uh, song and the dance at IOD all the time, which was a pile of crap. That was a Rick Riley thing. I always got blamed for whatever Rick Riley did. <laughs> we also blurted out that they were going to be doing a morning show and Chuck Meyer was getting canned, and I got blamed for that. Not, not that I mind. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, it's okay. Somebody's got to take the blame for Rick. But that blob all last, I don't want to get started on all that crap, okay? Nobody cares about Tampa. Nobody cares about Orlando. Nobody cares about those places. They're Yahoo places. They're mugwump places. Doctor, drug may have made Reed forget his rights, speaking of these terrorist scumbags. They've always got an excuse. Every scumbag's got an excuse. Drugs used to sedate Richard Reed after he allegedly tried to explode a shoe bomb on an international flight, allegedly, may have limited his ability to remember a warning that he didn't have to talk to interrogators, a doctor testified this week in federal court. Mark Dershowitz, testifying for the defense, said Reed was injected with diazepam, a generic form of Valium, as he struggled with passengers and crew members. Dershowitz said the drug would have limited Reed's ability to remember details of the Miranda warning that police officials read to him. After the warning, Reed allegedly made a confession to federal and state agents at Logan International Airport on December 22, 2001. Police are required to warn suspects of entitlement attorney and have the right to remain silent. After the passage of time, his ability to remember the reading of his Miranda rights would have been gone, said Dershowitz, an anesthesiologist at the University of Massachusetts. The testimony came in a hearing on a request by Reed's public defenders. They want to suppress statements he gave to investigators in the hours after he was taken off American Airlines Flight 63, the Paris to Miami flight. The flight, as we know, made an emergency landing in Boston after Reed allegedly tried to light... Why do they keep saying allegedly, God damn it? After he tried to light a fuse connected to his sneakers, federal authorities say the sneakers contained explosives that could have destroyed the jet. Among the passengers on the flight were doctors who used drugs from a medical kit to subdue Reed. Dershowitz said the drugs included diazepam and an antihistamine similar to Benadryl. Oh, boy! He said that diazepam and antihistamine would have made Reed sleepy and caused him to slur his words, but he also said the drugs would not affect Reed's ability to make sound decisions. FBI agent Brad Davis also testified at the hearing. He said authorities were eager to interview Reed because they were concerned he might have had accomplices aboard the jet. Oh, man. Just enough to make you want to gag, isn't it? And it keeps bringing to my mind that the whole Gitmo story about the way that we're... They're probably getting like Chateaubriand down there if they eat meat. I'm not so sure if the Muslims eat meat, but I think in that case they'd probably make an exception. And they probably want, like, uh, what's that good steak sauce that we love? Peter Luger's. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we're not going to eat that without some Peter Luger's steak sauce, God damn it. Allah, damn it. 11.56, four minutes till noon at 560 WQM. Don't forget, we got, the, where's that promo? I kind of like stuck it? it in the back and it got lost back there. Join the big dog, Joe Rose. One to three today. He's filling in for Mad Dog again. He's got a really cushy uh, deal. Join Joe for a live broadcast at Hooters and Pembroke Pines, 1 to 3. Marlins outsider, uh, outsider and outfielder Cliff Floyd. The rumors have been he's going to be Marlins outsider. He'll be on hand signing autographs along with the QM Prize Patrol. Plus, you can meet the beast, the new slim beast, who's still a cow, and Billy the Marlin will be on hand with the All-Star ballot so you can vote for Mike Lowell to be a starter in this year's All-Star game. All happening 1 to 3 at Hooters with Joe Rose. Speaking of exciting places, Pompano Park. You better get out there tonight. Plunge your brains out. Live harness racing at its best three nights a week, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. First post time, 7.30. Tony Kerwood won't be there because he's here. But, boy, he's good. Free general parking, free clubhouse, and grandstand admission every afternoon and evening. Pompano Park offers the only nighttime horse racing action in the entire state. And, of course, you can plunge your brains out at Pompano any day of the week, seven days with simulcasting. Tomorrow... Saturday, June 15, bring Dad out to celebrate Father's Day Eve at Pompano Park. Free gifts for all dads and a free entry coupon to win some great prizes, including a two-night stay and round-trip airfare to Crystal Palace Casino in the Bahamas, tickets to Marlin Game, Movie Co. Theaters, the Sea Escape Dinner Cruise, Broward County Fair, and lots more. 
Plus, there will be the annual father-son mini-horse race, free mini-horse rides for all the kids, and you can meet the two newborn mini-horses full this week, plus enter the Name the Mini Fool contest, all starting this Saturday at 7 p.m. How about uh, Mini-Me? Sounds good. Doesn't it like that? As what? For a mini-horse. Okay. Name the mini more full. Anyway, every Wednesday is Dollar Night at Pompano Park. You get draft beer, hot dog, sodas, large uh, pretzel or popcorn for only a buck apiece. On Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, Pompano Park offers a special all-you-can-eat buffet on the fourth floor players' lounge. Soup, salad, tons of veggies, main entrees to choose from, and great desserts all for one low price. And every Friday and Saturday, including tonight, carving station with turkey, ham, primary pork, or flank steak on that fabulous buffet. All waiting for you at Pompano Park Harness on Powerline Road, a block south of Atlantic Boulevard. Horse Park. This is Howard David. When I take my Feldine, I listen to the Neil Rogers 12 to 1 hour. Not George, because he's stupid. In stores now, the job of the hot home liposuction kit. For the skin you love to touch. <laughs> Someone. It's funny when friends get hurt. Look, light years younger in a matter of minutes. Man, that thing's great. Damn right. With Jabba the Hutt Home Liposuction Kit. And coming soon, the Yoda Home Proctology Kit. Ow! Ow! Take a criminal probe. 12.01 at 5.60 WQM. Don't let uh, Dwight Lauderdale hear about that. Boy, he's become very anal since uh, we did that piece, you know. How long ago was that? About a year? About. About a year ago we did that piece and uh, about eating ass. And since Dwight Lauderdale put that on here and had that uh, crazy look on his post, it's enough to make you want to grow that mustache back. Don't blame our good friend Gail Not So Bright for that, though, because she don't want to be mentioned on the ear. Iron Butterfly and Agata Davidas pulling away from the pack, baby. Oh, yeah. No contest today. Oh, this, speaking of no, no that's perfect timing. I slipped into a bucket of crap again. Speaking of no contest. In 62 years of Boy State, the annual American Legion-sponsored convention on civics and patriotism for high schoolers, Bill McBride is the first former governor of the boys to run for real governor of Florida. Speaking of no contest, has he got any chance? No. Janet Reno, she got a chance? No. No. I'm telling you, man, the Democratic Party, you don't have to worry, Robert. Just stay calm. We couldn't win a fixed election, unlike you guys. I'm extremely calm. Yeah, I'm sure you are. Well, especially getting out of there in a couple of months. Robert's leaving QAM, to which we say, congratulations, our heartfelt congratulations, moving on to a real life, getting out of that psychotic place. Returning 40 years after his teenage election, McBride offered some political lessons yesterday for this year's class at Boys State. The biggest one is clean play, McBride told the group at an auditorium at FSU. Clean play. Well, that's a good place to be talking about uh, clean play is FSU, where they never met a gangster they didn't like. There's too much partisanship and too much infighting, too much people going at each other, said McBride, who was elected governor by his boy state class of 1962. Is that the same boys as the one did Timothy? Uh, yeah, I think so. Too often, that's what happens in politics. Everybody's looking at the faults in somebody else, he said. In his race against former U.S. Attorney General Janet Reno for the Democratic nomination for governor, McBride pledged to avoid negative campaigning. In other words, he's not going to talk about her falling down all the time and being a little shaky, and he's not going to show pictures of that little kid in the closet. Should he get a chance to run against Republican Governor Jeb Bush, he suggested later, he'll campaign against the governor's plans, not the person. He won't be talking about the governor's daughter and all those prescriptions and his two sons who are like both uh, crazier than a bed bug. Bush, too, had a chance to address Boys State during its week in the Capitol, a boisterous convention at which leaders had to admonish boys attempting to leap the orchestra pit in the FSU auditorium. <laughs> McBride's class also produced another politician, U.S. Representative Alan Boyd of Monticello. 
I didn't know we had a Monticello in Florida. Did you know that? Nope. Where the hell is it? Virginia. I thought it was in New York, right by the racetrack. Since its inception in 1940, Boy State governors have run for Speaker of the State House, Senate President, and Congress. How about Marvin Maker at Monticello? Ben McBride, a Tampa area lawyer, is the first boy governor to go for the real thing. My opponent 40 years ago was an eloquent speaker, McBride recalled, adding a dash of humility. Apparently, a lot of people voted for me because they wanted to make it a close race. He hasn't got a Chinaman's chance. He's not going to get the nomination, and she ain't going to beat Jeb Bush. No chance. Not little chance. Not slim. Not next to none. No chance. Okay? Very sad. Oh, and speaking of that, here's a good follow-up to that. Al Gore plans strategy retreat. Al Gore plans to compare notes with top Democratic fundraisers and members of his old campaign team at a strategy retreat later this month as he weighs another run for the presidency. Boy! Oh. And you know the other one they keep talking about? Who? Jew Lieberman. Oh. <clears throat> the guy, the guy that made... go to a personality retreat. Yeah. The guy, no, he needs a personality transplant is what he needs, both of them. In fact, maybe they can get a package deal. There's the guy that helped make sure, put the nails in the coffin, make sure that he lost every one of the southern states, all the mugwump states. That good Jew Lieberman, not just a Jew, but one of those uh, Bible-thumping Orthodox Jews. All he needs is the talus and the, uh, and the yarmulke to like, complete the, uh, the seal of the deal, as they say. And then, of course, there's always Ralph Nader, but he's busy with the NBA. The 2000 Democratic presidential nominee has summoned them into a Memphis, Tennessee session at the end of this month. The three-day retreat, which is set for June 28th to 30th at the Peabody Hotel, will include a private dinner Friday with most of the restaurant reserved for the former vice president and the donors. That's today. Veteran Democratic fundraiser Mitchell Berger of Fort Lauderdale said he expects to see many of the top Democratic money raisers at the meeting in Memphis. Maybe he'll see some Woodies in Memphis, you think? Woody Graber? <laughs> huh? Chronic Woody on the phone? I mean, he can't call us anymore, so he might as well do something. Memphis be a good place for Woody. They'd lynch his ass there. I'd love to see it. Not Woody Graber. The other Woody. Memphis is going to be an opportunity for many old and some new friends to get together who've been in the financial backing for many National Democratic Cup campaigns in the past, Berger said. They've stood side by side before, or as we say up here, side by each. This is an opportunity for them to get together and be with Alan Tipper and discuss the state of Democratic politics currently and in the future. I'll tell you the state of Democratic politics. You just smelled it. Not too good. Berger said it's clear that Gore's interest in running for president again, noting a strong performance in 2000. He got more popular votes than anybody since Ronald Reagan, he said. The gathering was expected to include former staffers and allies, such as Peter Knight, who works with Gore at the financial firm of Metropolitan West, Elaine Carmack, who teaches at Harvard University, and Leon Firth, a visiting professor at George Washington University. Associates said the retreat will include a dinner to help local Democrats and a party at a local blues club. Much of the retreat is expected to be private, they said. And they're not going to tell us whether he's going to grow the beard back or not. You think it'll make a difference? No. You think it'll push him up a little bit? No. Has he know. lost that weight? I don't know. Oh, that's right. He porked up a lot, too. And he still lot. got Tipper. Yeah, like I said. And we got Tipper. But the first lady can go around and censor records in music stores. That ought to be good. Censor all the CDs. Then she can start working on the Internet. Of course, Al invented it, so I guess she's got a right to be censoring it. Fed stockpile anti-radiation pills. You got yours yet? No. Robert, you got any? No. Well, how come we don't have any? Federal agencies in Washington ordered 350,000 potassium iodide pills this week from a North Carolina company to protect people from cancer caused by radioactive iodine, which can be released in nuclear explosions. The agencies are stockpiling the pills in case of a nuclear event, said Gordon Jondro, a spokesman for the Office of Homeland Security. 
It's been an ongoing effort, John said, adding that it's not a direct result of the arrest of Jose Padilla, that suspected al-Qaeda member who may have been planning a dirty bomb attack in Washington. The government orders Monday and Tuesday represent 9% of NukePills.com's business this year and were 18% higher than the company's total 2,000 sales, said owner Troy Jones. Private citizens are buying them as well. They're stockpiling. In 2000, whoever heard of potassium iodide, Jones said Thursday, until then his only clients were survivalists and those who lived near reactors. After 9-11, many people were ordering the pills that protect the thyroid gland from radioactive iodine, a cancer-causing agent that can be released in huge plumes in atomic explosions. Don't the peacocks have those? Huge plumes. Yes. And there, as a matter of fact, out by me there in the acres, there are people that have peacocks. Yeah. And chickens. And peahens. No, I'm serious. And they like uh, crawl around in the road and get in your way, and you have to sit there and wait for them to cross the road. And they're very arrogant about that. And, and they're very noisy. Because those people who live in that particular area, I don't want to get too specific, but they think they're still out in the country. I think if they, like, crawl out from under the bottom of the house someday and go out there on Sunrise Boulevard and look around, they'd realize that life is passing them by and they're not living in the country anymore. I couldn't, I couldn't be wrong about that. I don't think so. You've been out there. You think they're living in the country? No. Not more. No, not no more. So get rid of those damn peacocks. Anyway, the orders have nearly overwhelmed Jones' three-person sales team since Monday when Attorney General John Ascroft announced Padilla's arrest. And everybody started going Oy. like that. However, experts believe a dirty bomb would release other kinds of radiation. Potassium iodide, which sells for about a dollar a pill, would be helpful only if a dirty bomb used radioactive iodine instead of other radioactive substances, and then only for people close to the explosion. People aren't buying this product because they think they're going to protect themselves from a dirty bomb, Jones said. They're buying it because they think something worse is going to happen to this country, such as an attack on a nuclear plant or a suitcase nuclear bomb. John Roe isn't going that far, but acknowledges the government's making large buys of potassium iodide. The purchases were made by agencies including the NRC, the Federal Emergency Management Agency, the Department of Energy, and the Department of Health and Human Services. The FDA approved over-the-counter sales of potassium iodide in 1982. It recommends that anyone exposed to radioactive iodine take one tablet daily for up to 14 days and recommends smaller doses for children. Jones said he was getting about one order per minute, and most of the new clients were from the Washington area. The Padilla arrest, he said, was a wake-up call. In other words, people are starting to get like a little bit nervous. <coughs> kind of like that. Like I said, you got yours yet? No. No. Didn't we used to sell it when we sold salt? Did I ever? We talked about this, selling salt, iodized salt. Right. Now, isn't that just as good? Well, what is that, iodized uh, salt? It's salt with iodine in it. Now, is that good? I guess it yeah, can't hurt. It's good for you. You need a certain amount of iodine in your uh, yeah. diet. In fact, we used to take iodine, and when you, when you take iodine, I'm not recommending this, but if you take iodine and put it on your wrist, yeah. it disappears. In other words, the body absorbs. Right, and it was, the, the greater your deficiency in iodine in your body, the faster it like sucks it in. Like magic. Yeah. And, of course, people don't realize that, but the skin is like a tremendous receptor, so Schmidt uh, that you rub on your skin... Careful. No, I, I didn't say what you thought. Schmidt, that you rub on your skin, like it's absorbed into your, uh, into your system. Right. Which makes you wonder about things like, uh, you know, when you go to the beach and you rub on all that copper tone, all that crap, sunblock. Well, it doesn't have real copper in it. So I guess, I guess your blood's not going to burn then, huh? Your blood won't boil no matter how angry you get. Twelve minutes past, it'd be good for somebody on the station, as a matter of fact. Commies will last down a little bit, maybe. Twelve minutes past noon at 560 WQM. Here's something that's good for you. There's no debating about this. The ancient Romans and geeks and Greeks, they knew about it. That's why olive oil became so big all over Europe, and now, of course, in the Western world. With Oleomed, you can get the benefits of olive oil without the schmearing it, like I was saying only moments ago. No schmearing with Oleomed because it's a soft gel capsule. All you do is pop them in your puss. 
Oleomed contains pharmaceutical-grade olive oil along with vitamins and minerals and herbals to promote health for all different parts of your body. They have one product to help your prostate. There's one for your heart and your blood pressure, one for your cholesterol. Oleomed's got supplements to promote health in your circulatory system, your digestive and endocrine system, your skin and bones, even for your mind, all using the benefits of the finest olive oil that money can buy. And like I tell you all the time, Oleomed's got products for men and for ladies as well. Pick up some Oleomed this weekend. You'll find it available at stores all over town. It's at Walgreens, Whole Food Markets, the Royal Pharmacy in Sedano's. If you want to get more information about their products, they've got a toll-free number, and they'll be ecstatic to answer all your questions about the Oleomed products and what they can do for you. Call them toll-free at 1-866-OLEOMED. That's 1-866-O-L-E-O-M-E-D. And don't forget, you can order their products on their website. Do with them, dog. All right. What the hell did you say? Weekdays at 3 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. I think if these rejoins get any longer, I can like, take a nap. Anyway, we got a uh, episode. Are you watching any of the local channels there right now? Where there happens Not to right be now, no. a woman. Off-duty corrections officer who stopped to ask for directions in the Grove was shot and in the stomach and drove himself to a hospital. And we got a possible hostage situation in the Grove. And ran in randomly into a home. Okay, and what do we know about the condition of this corrections officer as of yet? Uh, we don't know yet. He was rushed uh, to a local hospital. It's called Miami Jackson Hospital, where he is uh, undergoing treatment. But evidently, very fortunately for him, he was at least able to drive himself away from the shooting scene uh, to this gas station, imagine, and was uh, able to get help for himself. All right. Susan Candiotti on the telephone there from the Miami area as investigators are now looking into a shooting that took place in the Coconut Grove section of Miami just moments ago. And we're still awaiting the condition, as you heard Susan say, of the corrections officer who was shot in the stomach and police surrounding a Coconut Grove home where the suspect is believed to be holed up along with possibly a woman and children. We'll be updating you on that. I'm sure you will. Now, there you go. More, uh, another good example of why everybody should have a gun. This guy, I, this I guy just stopped. It. He just stopped to ask directions. Yeah. You understand. And a young man reached inside his car, and then he got into a scuffle over a gun, which it's not clear who had the gun originally, whatever. And then uh, guess what? He's uh, shot. In the... Luckily, he was had the car running, and he was able to get himself to the hospital immediately, and hopefully he'll uh, survive. There you go, boys and girls. Another great example of why crazy people with guns is not necessarily such a good idea. But that's the American effing way, and ain't never going to change. Here's your facts. That's very impressive. I, mean, I was thinking about this watching that game last night. Since I just want to reinforce the fact that Stevie Eiserman will never be a superstar because he's too small. As Brian is BM. Now we know why he called him BM, Brian Murray, when he was in South Florida. Because he smelt like it and he acted like it. What an idiotic comment that he made right to my face. It's too bad for Stevie he'll never be a great player because he's too small. Like I said, there's a real man for you, Steve Eiserman, who even at his advanced age still looks the same as he did like 10 years ago. Pretty close. It looks pretty good to me. And nevertheless... Played through all those injuries and uh, the entire playoffs. Phenomenal. Going to have knee surgery now. Be out for up to six months, they said. But still managed to play right through the last game last night. To help them win the cup. A lot of people thought he'd get the MVP again. But they spread it around. Nicholas Lutzum is the first European player ever to win a Smythe Trophy. Which I think that's good because it'll piss off Don Cherry. So what the hell's wrong with that? Nice going there, Stevie Y. And nice going old Red Wings. And the Scotty Bowman quits. Well, I sure heard a lot about that on the morning show this morning. No. And then they got the chutzpah promoting Goldie's thing there with that golf tournament on Monday. That just amazes me. So, in other words, the prizes are going to be uh, all these uh, Panther-oriented stuff. But God forbid we should talk about hockey on that show. Just, just sad to me on that morning basketball show that we've got. But at any rate, just move right along, okay? Onward and upward. Don't get bogged down in that crap. 
Conservative priests in Vancouver's Anglican Diocese have rejected a last-ditch proposal to quell a civil war over the blessing of same-sex unions. The Anglican Diocese of New Westminster faces collapse today as its governing body is set to vote on whether to prepare a right to bless same-sex unions. A move opponents say will trigger a formal split in the diocese. See, we got some crap going on up here, too. Eh? All of this is way over there in B.C. I have a feeling it's going to be a very painful day for all of us, said Reverend Barkley Mayo, a spokesman for the Diocese Conservative Caucus. I pray for a miracle so God can halt this train wreck before it kills people's faith. The caucus yesterday rebuffed an attempt by Bishop Michael Ingham to uh, prevent the partition of the local diocese along theological lines over the contentious issue of blessing gay and lesbian unions expected to pass at the diocesan synod today, a first in Canada. You ready for that? I'm ready. Going to pass in uh, B.C. today, they expect. Bishop Ingham proposed that a conservative church leader be appointed as a visiting bishop to provide pastoral care to any clergy who felt they could not receive adequate care from a diocese leader who blesses same-sex unions. The proposal also calls for a conscience clause allowing parishes that cannot support the blessing of same-sex unions to bar such blessings from their congregation. Reverend Mayo said these concessions are inadequate. It's counter to Scripture, he said. It's counter to the Word of God. There's no place for sexual activity outside the covenant of marriage. We can't ignore God's Word. It's not negotiable. It's counter to the Word of God, he said. Reverend... Reverend Mayo will table a counter-motion today if, he, if the plan to bless same-sex unions passes. It calls for a formal split of the diocese along theological lines to establish a new non-geographical diocese. The diocese, comprised of 80 parishes and 25,000 congregants in southwestern B.C., is known for its liberal tendencies with a vocal conservative minority. Today's vote comes after a divisive five-year diocesan battle. In 1998, 51% of delegates had Senate supported the move to gay and lesbian inclusion. In 1991, 56.5% supported blessing same-sex union. Bishop Ingham twice declined to implement the directive because the margin of support was so narrow. However, in a letter written to delegates yesterday, he acknowledged the pain and frustration of gay and lesbian members of the diocese at the slowness of progress toward full inclusion of the church. Ah, so there you go. Whether they like it or not. We're doing it. Samuel Waxell, you, you saw this story a couple days ago. Make sure. And by the way, look at that. The plus column, the Nasdaq's in the green. Oh, oh hallelujah. Oh, happy day. You notice how they keep manipulating this crap? Yeah. Way up. It's like wild and hysterical. And, of course, over a period of time, it just keeps going lower and lower and worse. I was you thinking you that? could start watching it right now. Now that your money is out, it'll go up just to spite you. No, it won't. No, not that my money, you have no idea. I didn't want to tell you how many thousands of dollars I'm ahead of the game just by, yeah, I don't oh, mean good. overall, but I mean just since the day I got out a couple of weeks ago, like three weeks, whatever it was. I'm kissing the ground. I'm kissing my checkbook, whatever I got left. And of course, you know, I mean, you know, four years down the road, it could make a big comeback. I mean, I have no, I have no problems with that. Whatever. Que sera, Because I've had enough stress and enough angst. And if I were, if I was still like invested in any of this crap right now, I'd be, I'd be, I, every minute, I'd be crapping in my pants. That's an honest, uh, feeling about how I would be doing. I'd be having a green apple quick step round the clock. Even in my sleep, I'd have to wear the pens. Because it's just a scary thing. Anyway, Samuel Waxall, Manhattan-based Imclone System Inc.'s embattled former chief executive, was arrested Wednesday morning by the FBI and charged with illegal insider training by the SEC. See, how can anybody investing be investing in any of this crap? I'm talking about any of these uh, uh, equities when it's so obvious that there's all this chicanery going on. We don't know which uh, company is going to be the next Enron or the next Imclone. Waxell did not enter a plea when he was arraigned in federal court. Manhattan was released on $10 million bond, half in cash, financial news services reported. 
The FBI arrested Waxel on nine charges, including two counts of conspiracy to commit securities fraud, six counts of insider training, and one charge of perjury for lying to the SEC. Sam Waxel was a CEO when he held a, who held a powerful position and the trust of Inclone shareholders. Helene Glotzer, assistant director of the SEC's Northeast Regional Office in Manhattan, told the Bloomberg News Service he exploited that position to protect his and his family's wealth. In its complaint, the commission charged that Waxel received news last December that the U.S. FDA would soon issue a decision rejecting for review Inclone's pending application to market its cancer treatment drug, Erbitux. The SEC charges that Waxel passed along this bad news to family members who then sold Inclone's stock before the information became public. The SEC said that Waxel himself tried to sell shares of Inclone before the news became public. In its lawsuit filed in federal court in Manhattan, the commission seeks an order requiring that Waxel give up or disgorge the several million dollars in losses avoided by those family members he tipped off. Yeah, let him uh, turn the money back over to all the other poor suckers who lost their ass. That's what I say. A disgrace right there in your face. Human cloning ban falters in the Senate. Oh! President Bush's quest to ban all human clothing, cloning appears to have hit a legislative wall in the Senate, effectively killing the proposal's chances for congressional passage this year. Senators on both sides of the issue said yesterday. Senator Sam Brownback, a Kansas Republican, had been pushing the Bush proposal, which was approved overwhelmingly last year in the GOP-led House. But in a meeting this week with Republican colleagues, Brownback modified his proposal to a two-year moratorium on human cloning instead of a permanent ban, an indication that he didn't have enough support for all-out prohibition. I don't think total banning will be offered because at this point I don't think we have the votes to get it done, said Senator Rick Santorum, Pennsylvania Republican who supports Brownback's original bill. A White House lobbyist speaking on condition of anonymity said the proposal would not come up anytime soon. In other words, they don't have the votes. Uh, hey, let's hug those fetuses, too, by the way, while we're at it this weekend. We don't care about all those people who have those degenerative diseases, like Parkinson's, all those debilitating things like diabetes, like some of us have. We don't care about you people, because we have to be fetus huggers and stem cell huggers, embryo huggers. When in doubt, hug one. In fact, instead of that song, Kiss a uh, Schwarzer Good Morning that we play on the show, how about Kiss an Embryo Good Morning would be good. The right-wingers ought to love that. Iron Butterfly and a Gata DeVita, 47 votes. It's winning hands down your pants. Now, how big did the other ones win by on the previous three days? Soft. Oh, that's right. It's not going to come close to soft cell. Do you realize that that had 14? I, I know. Although, I'm wrong about that. See, because we don't have that many votes on her yet. But by the end of the survey come Monday morning, there'll be a lot. But um, percentage-wise, this one's got 16%, whereas Soft Cell and Tainted Love had 14% on Monday, or Tuesday. Thin Lizzy had 9.6% of the total vote, and Dexy's Midnight Runners come on and had 8%. So Iron Butterfly and Agata DeVita is like just oh! off to the races. 1226 at 560 WQM. Mattress shopping, a total waste of time. Don't do it. Don't do it the traditional way anyway. Do it by making a phone call to our good friends at Dial a Mattress, 1-800-MATTRESS, because they give you so much more than just great service, and I know what I'm talking about, because the few times that I've needed a new mattress over the last several years, I call them, they're there in no time at all, and they take away the crappy old bedding and set up a fantastic new mattress at an unbeatable everyday low price. And they show up exactly on time when they say they're going to be there. Whenever it's convenient for you, you pick the two-hour window and the day, like between 10 and noon, noon and 2, 1 and 3, 4 and 6, got it? 
Good. Got it. And because Dollar Mattresses got the deepest selection of brand name mattresses, they don't have to do the old bait and switch and, you know, deliver you a mattress you didn't really want in the first place. They got all the top names. Serta, Sealy, Simmons, and King Coral, like I said, unbeatable prices too. And they give you that 30 day in home comfort trial, lets you really try out a mattress the way you should do it. Not, <clears throat> not like, you know, with some sales guy standing over you in the super, in the, uh, department store. <clears throat> I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. But like sleeping on it and doing your thing on it for up to 30 days to make sure it's the one that's good for you and your back. So if you want to start really sleeping great night after night, get yourself a great new mattress, the unbeatable way, or just by making that one easy call. 1-800-MATTRESS, that's all it takes. 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S, or check them out on the web. Quit calling me a Dago, man. I'm a serve. Weekdays at 1 on Sports Radio 560. Jesus. Q-A-M. It's Friday, you bastard. Hi, Felicia. Gee, I love your dress, and your hair looks so shiny and manageable. Are you still shampooing with head and shoulders? <laughs> Gosh, Chick, I stopped using head and shoulders a long time ago. I mean, honestly, who grows hair on their shoulders anyway? <laughs> yeah, right. So, what are you using now? Well, it's like head and shoulders, only without all those additives. It's just called head. Let's tell them about it, girls. If you're tired of your old shampoo, get a and feeling blue. Yeah, yeah, just remember what I said. Yeah, yeah, you'll feel better if you get some head. Wow, where can I get head? Lots of places, Chick. You can stop by my place later, and I'll be happy to give you some head. In 15 minutes, I'll have you shampooed, styled, and blown dry. Gee, you don't miss a lick, do you? Head sounds great, but is it expensive? Not at all, Chick. My brother says there are places downtown where you can get head for less than $10. Golly, at that price, everyone should be getting head. That's right, Chick. When you say head, you set a mouthful. Hi, I'm Dr. Raymond Filati from Freedom All Industries. I'm here to tell you why you should get head. First, it lubricates each limp hair follicle, leaving an erect, glistening shaft. Then the scalp's natural oils are sucked out of the root, leaving your hair soft, shiny, and exhausted. Nothing does the job like head. Great! Can I get head from my hairdresser, Bruce? Probably, but you might want to try your girlfriend first. <laughs> Go out and get some head today. Yeah, yeah, a little squirt goes a long, long way. Yeah, yeah, you'll look better and you'll feel terrific. Yeah, yeah, when you get head, you're a lucky stiff. Want hair with lots of volume? Nothing gets it up like head. Available at a price you won't find hard to swallow. And it's going down every day. Connie, we're out of shampoo. Can you go out and get some head? What did you say? I said I want you to go out and get head. Oh, thank you, sweet Jesus. I'm going downtown. And head makes a great holiday gift. Last Christmas, my wife gave me some head. Then I gave her a pearl necklace. I've never seen her so choked up. My girlfriend used to give me head. Then we got married. Now I'm lucky if I get Jurgen's lotion and a National Geographic. Once you start, you won't want to stop. Head feels so good, you might blow your top. Once you start, you won't want to Oh, 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 God. Ah, ah, ah. 
head shampoo. Come on, give it a shot. My hair looks great. <laughs> Use a nap. Top 34, 560 WQM. Anyway, they showed a couple minutes ago the scene from the Grove. Guess which part of the Grove it was in when that shooting took place a little while ago? I give up. And they got three kids, uh, three little uh, dark-complected kids out of the house. Does that give you an idea of what part of the Grover was oh, in? Oh, the other side of 37th Avenue. Right, the other side of the tracks. Kind of like in Hallandale, you know, two loose lot tracks. See, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong about this. I, all you uh, NRA people, you gun nuts, nothing we can do to stop you. But don't you think at least, maybe just for starters, for like the next ten years, we don't let Schwarzers have guns. Don't you think that's a good idea? Too late. Oh. I mean... Somewhere along the line, we have to we have to like uh, draw the line. Here's a fax that says, "Which please play Bob and Tom," which I just did. You're welcome. I saw on VH1 an interview with a member of Iron Butterfly. The lead singer couldn't pronounce "In the Garden of Eden," and so "In the Garden of Eden" was born. Couldn't pronounce "In the Garden of Eden," which is what it was that's, supposed to be. That's not correct. It's not. The guy who wrote it, one of the members of the band who might have been the lead singer or something like that, delivered pizza was his day job, and he had a mouthful of pizza when he was telling them about. He had a mouthful of pizza. Maybe he was given head shampoo. And that's how it came out, and they thought it was really funny, and it stuck. Huh. Well, anyway, I'll tell you all the number, members of the, because uh, I looked it up, because I was so, and you were close, but close don't count, only in horseshoes and quoits. The seven-inch version uh, was edited down f from the original, I mean, this, yeah, it says seven-inch, but it doesn't say how long it was. Well, seven, seven inch. inches ain't bad. Seven-inch version edited down from the original 17-minute album cut. So it was 17, not 15. Long. It was pretty goddamn long. 17 minutes, the album cut. Anyway, Iron Butterfly, hard rock group from San Diego. Doug Engel was the lead singer, vocals and keyboards. Eric Braun, B-R-A-U-N-N, no relation to Bob Vaughn, uh, played the guitar. Lee Dorman, bass, and Ron Bushy on the drums. Inagata DeVita, a 9-28-68. And you know something? What? It wasn't that big of a hit. It was seven weeks on the chart. The highest it ever got was number 30. Huh. How do you like that? So it was another one of those things that at the time it was, I mean, I remember playing that in Kalamazoo, Michigan, no less, but it just wasn't that gigantic. But as time wore on, it became bigger and bigger and just uh, gigantic. 1236 at 560 WQM. He was rich, handsome, and dashing, a young man who thrived on speed and danger and died under mysterious circumstances. Last week, Michael Antonori's experimental helicopter crashed into a Tampa house. He walked away with minor injuries and spent just a few hours in the hospital before being released, walking out with his parents. Hours later, the 30-year-old Antonori climbed aboard a single-engine Cessna plane and circled over a busy intersection for 40 minutes. Then the plane broke away and nosedived into a dry cypress swamp 20 miles outside the city. Oh, speaking of the helicopters... On Passion today, Ethan finally takes off with uh, Teresa, or at least they're trying to take off right there at the end of that helicopter. And in the early part of the show, which you must see, all the Passions viewers, one of the great lines in the history of soap operas, there's poor, uh, what's her name, Kay? Kay, who's got the hots for Miguel and is desperate to save him from zombie charity, who if she uh, bangs uh, Miguel, that means he's going to die. And she's got Miguel like glued down there on the beach in the rain, the pouring rain over his glistening, almost naked body, and she's ready to do the, she's got her knee in his nuts. And as Kay is trying to find them, She's wandering around in the rain saying to herself, where would a succubus, that, that's what they call him on the show, a succubus uh, zombie take Miguel to uh, try to uh, seduce him? And she says, oh, yeah, the most sick place would be a cemetery. She says, I hope he's not stiff when I get there in more ways than one. <laughs> Which I thought that was pretty, you know, 
We had ass on CNN this morning, and we're talking about Miguel being stiff on passion. Oh, oh we're making some little tiny step progress, boys and girls. Getting back to the story, his death left his family and investigators struggling to explain what happened. Was it suicide or an accident? Or maybe just he was a crappy pilot. Antonori left no note, and his family had said through a spokesman that suspects mechanical problems caused the crash. But the NTSB said Wednesday that the preliminary investigation found no obvious mechanical problems with either aircraft. The Hillsborough County Medical Examiner's Office is awaiting toxicology tests to determine whether he'd been drinking or under the influence of drugs. So far, the office has only said that Antonori died of head injury suffered in the crash. The Sheriff's Department is also investigating. We may never know what happened, a Sheriff's spokesman Rod Reeder said. How do you like that? So first the experimental helicopter crashed into a house. He walked away. And then like hours later, he gets back into another one. And uh, bada-bing, right into the, uh, right of the ground. Dead. His mom always talked about how he was a good boy who wouldn't do anything she didn't want him to do. She never thought to tell him not to go on the roof and jump into the pool, Walter said. He jumped into a swimming pool, climbing up on a roof as a teenager. It just wasn't in the year where Antonori took his chances. He also owned a race car, a 97 convertible Dodge Viper, and a 2001 BMW. Last year, he pleaded no contest to driving under the influence and lost his license for six months. His driving record included ten other infractions, including convictions for careless and improper driving. Some friends and family members believe Antonori may have climbed into the cockpit of the plane so soon after the first crash because he wanted to prove he was still a competent pilot. I guess he didn't prove that, did he? <laughs> no. If that's what he was trying to prove, hey, guess what? Uh, didn't work out too well. Very sick. 20 till 1. Boy, I tell you, Joe Rose over there at Hooters today is going to have a dynamite show for you because the Mad Dog continues showing up whenever the hell he feels like it. The Mad Dog's got the best gig in the universe. Oh! That's what I'm hearing. I'll tell you, speaking of the best in the universe, Pizza Loft is the best place for some inexpensive eats that are delicious. That, that, I'm telling you that right now. Inexpensive, fresh, cooked just the way you like it. All the Italian goodies you love, three different kinds of great pizza. Garlic rolls just dripping with garlic that will melt in your mouth. They're so soft and tender and delicious. Every kind of Italian dish, chicken and veal, seafood, calzone, super subs, they got it all at the loft, and they got special nights every night of the week so you and the whole gang can eat at a pittance of a price. And, of course, now that the weekend is upon us, so many other Broward restaurants, they make you stand on long lines Fridays and Saturdays. Not at the pizza loft. That's why Jeff keeps expanding, making it bigger and bigger. In fact, he spends a lot of time on that, making it as big as he possibly can so you don't have to wait on long lines to get in and out of the pizza loft. Don't forget, for takeout or delivery or for catering, call this number, 954-916-8880. 954-916-8880. And, of course, you'll find a pizza loft in the Pizza Loft Plaza right behind Pier 1 Imports on University Drive in Davy Kitty Corner of the Armadillo Cafe right behind. Did I just say right behind Pier 1 Imports? You just said that. Well, I'll say it again. It's right. It, guess what it's right behind? Pier 1 Imports? That place, yeah. Pizza Loft, you won't break the bank by going there with the whole family again and again. So go there and have yourself a great uh, meal this weekend. And don't forget, the brand-new loft in Plantation... Guy, where there are no loses. Go straight to hell. Weekdays at 3 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. There's no fact in, in the church. Yeah, it's me, the yelling guy, Anger Anderson. I'm a man. I'm a man's man, man. I'm a manly man's man, man. Sometimes when I'm at the urinal, I get uh, stage fright. I have a shy bladder. Then it hits me. These other guys next to me must think I'm a tool gazer. Damn! So I get more and more nervous. One time, I stood there for hours. I met some pretty nice fellas, though. 1245 at 560. Here is some of the most disgraceful news I've ever heard in my life. Let's discuss those guidelines. 
what the Vatican officials also feel a little bit uh, uncomfortable with is that those bishops are actually deciding on, on, on rules and regulations, if you want, which ne not necessarily will have the backing of the Vatican and therefore cannot... The Vatican may not accept zero-tolerance policy. How do you like that? Oh, It'll ruin all their plans. Yeah. Well, not only that, but it'll probably clean out the whole damn church. They won't have any um, uh, priests left or any bishops. And the comment is in this report on CNN right now that the bishops in the Dallas are acting, as we all know, but it's interesting for them to put it in these words, they're acting under tremendous pressure because the cat is out of the bag, the whole scandal is out of the closet, so they're acting under tremendous pressure because people are saying, uh-uh, this one, one strike and you're out deal, sorry, you don't get one free pass at molesting our kids. But the Vatican may not accept zero-tolerance policy? What kind of crap is that? Typical. Unbelievable. Jesus, Joseph, and Saul, man. So it goes to show you, just at a time when they're trying to put on this big PR campaign and put on a great dog and pony show for the public and at least give the appearance of really uh, trying to put an end to all this crap, they're not going to do it because the Vatican won't sit still for it. Even that shaky old Polish pope, he ain't going to sit still for it. I mean, who the hell are they to be making policy? Policy comes from the Vatican, which is uh, their own little country over there. See, they think they're dealing with, like, the uh, Carabinieri over here and the, uh, you know, the state police, and they can, like, dictate law here, and they've been doing pretty good for a long time. The public isn't going to sit still for that. And if that, if that flies, what they're talking about now, and if this whole thing that they're trying to pass today, if this winds up getting watered down, you ain't seen nothing yet, baby. You ain't seen nothing yet. The fur is really going to fly. And these victims are going to become apoplectic. The lawsuits are going to fly like crazy even more than ever before. So chronic Tim in Primitive Pines, who just can't control himself, he says, the music from the 50s, 60s, and 70s is some of the best music ever made. You are... Absolutely correct, sir. And I wasn't even around until the 70s. He said, there'll never be another era like that, and the stuff will be remembered much more than the freaking 90s. Well, of course. There just wasn't a lot of good music in the 90s. Except, of course, for 98 degrees. I think the reason no one's voted for the cheater is because stupid state... That's why I played a little Bob Cuban there. I thought maybe the Cubans would like it. He said, no one's voted for the cheaters because stupid stations like Magic play the same 20 songs over and over again. That's it. They're great songs, but even great songs can be played too much. I've heard so many great songs from my parents' albums that I never heard on Magic. Well, that's because Magic sucks, Tim. Magic blows. It blows. Their playlist is 14 songs. And after you've heard those 14 songs, each about 14,000 times, after that they start getting a little bit stale no matter how great they were. Then Tim goes on to say there's a Beatles song called Little Anna. Never heard it on Magic. Why not? Did you ever hear Little Anna? No. I never heard that either. I don't think there is a Beatles song called Little Anna. Maybe that's why we didn't hear it on Magic. You know what song he could be talking about? What? I, I don't know. I'm, that's, oh, I'm asking no, you. I, I thought of that when I read it. I tried well, to let me take a look. I mean, the Beatles only have about 600 listings, I'm sure, in my book here. So this should take no more than four or five hours. Hey, Tim, you're bugging me, Tim. Little Anna? Uh, I don't think so. And if there was, it may have been a cut on one of their albums, but I, I don't remember ever hearing it. My Bonnie, my Bonnie lies over the ocean. Anybody seen Anna? No. I'm looking for Anna. Anybody seen her? Don't see that bitch. Lovely Rita. Eleanor Rigby. Lady Madonna. Lady Vagina. The Ballad of John and Yokel. Martha, my dear. Yeah. Free as a turd. I don't see it. There's, there's no such uh, little Anna. Well, like I said, it could have been a cut on some album. Maybe that's why they're not playing it, Tim. Maybe it doesn't exist. Oh, I almost forgot about this story. We can't get by the uh, day without this. Remember I uh, talked about this yesterday briefly? What? From the U.K.? What? 
About the two uh, robbers. Oh, the uh, the masked men. The morons, the idiotic <laughs> Brits, which yes. I hate to be redundant there, the silly Brits. And it says from the UK, hey, Mo, hey, Larry, I can't see. <laughs> and I started thinking about Mo and Larry and started chuckling a little bit, started chur chortling. It said detectives were left in stitches by security camera film of a robbery by two teenagers who forgot to cut eye holes in their masks. <laughs> Officials, officers rather, watched in astonishment as the pair repeatedly bumped into one another, demanded money from a shop wall, and failed to notice their newsagent victim dialing 999. Lawyers at York Crown Court were convulsed in their turn as details emerged of how Thomas Rathbone, no relation to Basil, 18, and a 17-year-old who cannot be named for legal reasons, crashed into the shop counter. Finally, in frustration, they made the cardinal mistake of pulling off their mask to get their bearings in front of the security camera. <laughs> The pair admitted charges of robbery in York in July. The court heard on Monday they had succeeded only in stealing three packs of cigarettes. Rathbone of York was sent to a young offender's institution for a year, and the other youth was given a year's detention and a training word, or whatever that means. They're going to give him a training bra. A spokesman for North Yorkshire police who may find the video hard to resist as a Christmas party item said they must have been the dumbest raiders in the world. The video is more of a farce than a holdup. Yeah, you got to poke holes in it, guys. Haven't you heard about the I mean, that's a pretty good song, Bob, but I wouldn't get all bent out. I mean, uh, Tim, whatever your name is, wouldn't get all bent out of shape about that. There's better popsicles and icicles by the mermaids. Has that got any votes? I'm going to look at there right now. I bet you didn't have any. Are you looking? Not yet. Bob Cuban's got one. How about Sally where I'll Go Round of Roses got a pair? I bet you maybe popsicles and icicles after I played it might get one or two, you think? I don't see any. No. You find It'll it too? Huh? It'll get one or two. It doesn't have any yet? It's right on the bottom. The mermaids have none. Oh. The mermaids have none. Now, Tim, I could get all upset about that and get spastic right here on a goddamn radio. Am I going to get spastic about it? No. They don't like it. It's kind of like a bubblegummy song. It's maybe a little bit too, uh, you know, it's not a heavy-duty song like some of the ones that they love, like Dexy's Midnight Runners and Come On Eileen, you know. Tainted Love. Yeah, or Tainted Love by Soft Cell. I think some of these people ought to be in a cell, a padded cell. Can you believe Benny Mardonis is second? No. Get out of here. Well, take a look. I, well, I haven't been looking at it. I haven't been paying any attention for a while. Benny Mardona has been creeping up there. Well, yeah, but it's uh, Iron Butterfly's got 51. Benny Mardona's has got 27. Frankie Goes to Hollywood, Relax, 26. Big Country, In a Big Country, got 26, 25. So, so the battle for second is very, very tight. I mean, uh, you know, Iron Butterfly, no contest. Hey, need a creative gift for Father's Day, a new baby or graduation? Sending a Bear Graham gift from the Vermont Teddy Bear Company is a perfect idea, like I always tell you. For Dad, you can choose from bears like the policeman bear, doctor, fisherman, or golfer bear. Or surprise the graduate in your life with a groovy grad bear or the classic graduation bear wearing a black or white gown cap with tassel and a diploma. Just call this toll-free number and a friendly bear counsel will help you choose from over 100 handcrafted bears for any occasion, 1-800-829-BEAR. And, of course, also, it'll be personalized for them delivered in a colorful gift box with a card and delicious chocolate, 1-800-829-BEAR. Overnight and Saturday deliveries guaranteed. Dads and grads will love it. So send a beautiful Vermont teddy bear, which will be enjoyed forever because Vermont teddy bears are guaranteed for life. So call 1-800-829-BEAR. You still have time, by the way, to do it today, even time for Father's Day, or shop online at vermontteddybear.com. So call or go online today, and please tell that Neil told you to call the Vermont Teddy Bear It's the Marlins take on the Tampa Bay Devil Rays tonight. Coverage gets underway at 6.30 on Sports Radio 560 QAM. Neil Rogers. Ah. 
You know there's really not too much involved when I write these deep songs. I simply think of different groups of words that come into my head. If it wasn't for the fact that the lyrics come to me spontaneous, I probably would never pull off writing songs like this one. How simple it is, you ask? Well, I'll show you just how easy. I choose whatever comes to my mind and express it through my voice. It's funny, but most people think that songs like this took months to write. But the beauty is, this one took me all of 20 seconds, and it's almost done. Just fast forward, two more songs I've created. They're based exactly the way this one ends. <laughs> and I can write my next CD in minutes. There's no big deal about it. I'll tell you one thing, man. El Anus Morissette, she gets on my nerves a little bit. 12:57 at 560 QM. Jim in Atlanta faxes says the pinhead that uh, meaning Tim was referring to a song called Anna by the Beatles on their first release. Remember Anna? No, I don't remember that either. But I'm sure that uh, Jim in Atlanta knows what he's talking about. Thank you, Jim. Music fans find dearth of quality. Boy, how timely this is from USA Today a couple days ago. Perhaps the most nebulous wine and fandom concerns a perceived dearth of good music. Roughly 27,000 titles are dumped into the marketplace annually. Yet many consumers, particularly casual or older fans, less prone to rooting out new sounds.